human. Oh, hey. Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN 1000. All right, we're busy. Let's go. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. I'm Mike Murphy alongside Fred Hubner. Fred, we got about 20 hours to shove into the three-hour bag. Huh? I'm leaving after three hours. I'm not staying any longer. Well, then we better get rolling. Yeah, that's fine. EO 11 running the ship today. EO 11. Eric Ostrowski. All right. Ostrowski. Ostrowski. I gave it like a Chicago East there, Eric. There's a W in it, right? Ostrowski, right? Yeah, I get skipped a lot, though. That's I, for sure. I gave it to Chicago East right there. Eric Ostrowski with us. But I think that's why I call you. EO <laughs> That's easier. That's a lot easier. All right. Busy day today. Hey, guess who's going to phone in? Oh, well... Patrick Finley, Bears guy at the Sun-Times. He said, oh, yeah, I'm going to phone in. And uh, also, the Swirsk says he'll phone in today. You have got to be flat out kidding me. <laughs> really? No, nope. no Chuckles. Kidding. Chuckles, Swirsky, uh, both play-by-play guys. So we're busy between now and uh, noon. Uh, by the way, now the days are getting longer. That's what I've heard. I, I always think they're all 24 hours, but people keep telling me they're getting longer. <laughs> I remember the first time I little kid, it was, uh, you know, it was June 21st. Summer's just starting. I'm about nine years old. Maybe our science teacher, someone, uh, well, you know, the days are going to start. Daylight starts shorter now. Uh-huh. I, like, blew my mind. I go, no, 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 no. Summer, well, of course, I wouldn't have been in grade school on June 21st. But someone maybe said. You were, maybe you were in summer school. Maybe I was held back. Yeah. You got to come in for a couple more months. <laughs> no, no baseball, no soup for you this summer. That's right. All right, three three two three seven seven six remains our famous phone number, three one two three three two ESPN. Let's start right up. Vote now. Uh, the Murph and Fred fan focus. Oh, I want to thank the Chicago Bulls. Get to that in a minute. Murph and Fred focus uh, group Twitter poll right now. Vote at ESPN one thousand. Here's the question. Okay. Sports drafts, they reward losing, and they penalize winning. A, I like it that way. Don't change it. B, I hate it that way. Change it. All right? All the different sports, the draft, the draft, it rewards losing. It penalizes winning. Only two options? That's it, man. Okay. That's it. Until we make some changes. Yeah. Well, I guess I've already voted then. I hate it that way. Change it. Or I like it that way. Don't change it. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. We came up with a pretty good solution the other day. We can talk mm-hmm. about that later. Sure, sure. Okay. I, I listen. Miss a little, miss a uh-huh. lot. I think I heard you. I heard you guys. Uh, Fred, the hardest working guy in show business. This week, at you least. You were on like seven, eight days in a row, and you're going to be on the next seven or eight days <laughs> in a row, right? Well, you know, the holidays, people need time off. So I'm there for I'm there for you. I'm, uh, I don't need time off. No. I got enough time off during the regular week. Plus, after buying uh, all your um, uh, multiple uh, family, wonderful nieces, nephews, and brothers, sisters, and, and then that uh, MasterCard bill comes, you go, yeah, yeah good deal. Well, at least I'm not going to master pass it. And Ooh, then throw I almost a, took the and, and then throw there. a thing off the wall like <laughs> Joe Montana did in the commercial. Uh, see what sticks. All right. Uh, Vote now. Here's what we're going to cover today. Number one, the snake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not Kenny Stabler. No, no. Number two, the striker. All right, so we got the snake coming up in the next three hours. The striker. Are we talking soccer? Uh, the striker? Uh, 
have to stick little around. Pulsage talk? All right. <laughs> I'm in. I'll give you a hint. NFL offensive playbook. Okay. okay. Uh, we have a quick segment coming up later. Goofy sports quote of the year, the goofy sports stat of the year, and, of course, the goofy sports filler story okay. of the year. Stick around for all those. I'll also give you the real reason the Bears don't have a president of football operations. A, uh, a brand new, hey, I've got an idea. Those are like throwing it up against the wall, as you sure. were saying. Yep. See if any of them stick. That's right. All that and much, much more. But first of all, we'll pepper in certainly Cubs and Sox talk between now and noon. Yeah, since nothing's happened in the last week, we're all waiting. Oh, uh, yeah. We're well, waiting. I got the, I got the, uh, I got the microscope out. All right. Yeah. It's been, it's been, Jesse's been very, very frustrated that mm-hmm. this offseason, mm-hmm. this uh, offseason signing, free agent signing period has been very slow. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean microscope. I meant the magnifying glass. Okay. You know, like the... Uh, that would be the complete like, opposite. Like, well, almost well, like the opposite. Sherlock yeah. Holmes, you know. Sure. I've dissected this, so uh-huh. I guess you could do it either way. Brought in the, the zoom, zoom lens, you know, on the Cubs and uh, something very interesting. I believe uh, you'll want to hear in a little while as far as uh, what the what the heck is their real plan. Okay. Uh, They're going to try to sign as many free agent pitchers as possible. Well, we knew that months ago because they had five no, or six already. They have nobody to trade. Right. Okay. And the tip of that, Mark Gonzalez, he pointed out the uh, barren farm system mm-hmm. very subtly uh, two, three times in a piece earlier this week about the uh, Cubs uh, pitching coach Hickey and... Uh, the assistant pitching coach, who uh, Benedict is his name, who's supposed to be a, a, a pitch doctor. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, the pitching uh, whisperer. That's nice. You need a pitching whisperer. You ever feel like when you say that word, you should go whisperer? No. The pitching I... coach whisperer. No, because they know I can hear it. People have to turn the radio up, and then we start mm-hmm. yelling again, and they get to yeah. turn the radio down. Nah, nah. There's never any yelling on this station. Oh, there's always yelling in the station. Nah, not really. It happens quite often. Yeah, but not with vitriol. You know, not angry. No, it's, it's no, all no, good no. Fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cap, any... Cap goes off sometimes. He goes yeah. off and gets a little crazy sometimes. Jesse, every once in a while. Yeah. There's so. a male female team uh, on, on radio in Chicago, uh, not married, and uh, not on this station. Uh, two man show or two person show. Uh-huh. Ah, slap myself. Two-person show. Uh huh. Slap myself. Two person show. And uh, one of the two was uh, on vacation, so there was a fill-in, but one of the regulars. And uh, <laughs> very heated and awkward. A lot of yelling, huh? More, not the yelling as much as the uncomfortable uh, silence. <laughs> There's not the silence is bad on radio. Not golden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're not. I don't know. You were just trying. You were just saying and trying to get around it because there was a woman and a man. Oh, and yeah. you said, um, I don't know if you heard this. I just saw this in the paper. And the it other wasn't day. husband and wife. It wasn't Bob and Marianne. And uh, some some schools are trying to get rid of freshmen and call them first year students. Oh, really? Because that- they don't. They want to make it. You know, multi. You know, ah. men and women, not just. Freshmen. Freshmen. Hmm. So now they're going to first call year them, students. Will, will they be called true first year students, like true know. freshmen? Because I like, see a sophomore. There's it's it's yeah. gender equal, but a freshman. Oh, a man. Yeah. So now first year student. So if someone is a red shirt first sir, first year student, that's confusing. Like yeah. in college, <laughs> I'm a red shirt first year student. Yeah, true, so, but my second year right, true, at school, true fresh person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they're going to they're gonna go out and confuse everybody just so they can be gender or equal. Well, and then the fourth-year women are the senoritas. They could be. Yeah, okay. They could be. <laughs> Seniors and junior. Well, how about a ju- well, junior? Uh, I don't know how that would work out. 
You don't see many women juniors. Uh huh. Remember the uh, ball player uh, Felix Junior? He was like a journeyman fourth outfielder uh, about twenty years ago in the big. Now, every time I hear Felix, I just think of PA. Felix Junior. You know what he named his son? His first name Junior. Yeah. Yeah, Junior Junior. Uh, it's like George Foreman named all his kids George. I uh, could use a hamburger right now. All right, uh, let's go back to our Twitter poll. We're getting some results starting to come in there, EO. Yep, the poll. All right, vote right now at uh, ESPN 1000. Sports drafts, they reward losing, they penalize winning. Vote A, I like it that way, don't change it. B, I hate it that way, change it. Uh, in fact, uh, Carm, thank you, Carm, uh, did me a favor because he said the statement I've been hoping someone would say so we could capture it to okay. say set the table. for uh, And everyone knows, I think, and I'm not going to ride the old pony here, uh, but for 20 years I've hated all the drafts. Right. You know, Un-American, they reward losing. And you look at, and, and now, so God love the Bulls. They, they win seven in a row. They lose to Cleveland. By three points, yep. played a great game, you know, in my opinion. A lot of people, oh, well, they were missing a guy, and blah, blah, cow jumped over the moon. Okay, I thought it was an entertaining game, good game to lose by three, right? Now, it was perfect. Thank you, Bulls, because now the topic that I always worry about, Fred, that I'm beating the old dead horse, and I try not, but I, sometimes, you know, I can't help myself. Uh-huh. I go, come on. Why does the last place worst team get the first pick? The whole draft is illegal if, if, if you really broke down the antitrust standards. The reason, Eric, you ever heard this rant of mine? Why was the draft, and I'll, it happened to be the NFL, they were the first team to initiate it, 1937, 38, not that it matters. Why do you think, and if you know, maybe you've heard Murph before, why do you think the draft was initiated? It was to send young men to war, wasn't it? Oh, not that draft. No, I actually have no idea how the draft originated. Well, the first idea, most people would quickly, the reflex answer would be for parity. So the bad teams uh, get the uh, best pick out of college. That's what, if you had to like think it through long, would that probably be what you'd think would be the obvious answer? Mm -hmm. No, no, it was to save money. George Hallis invented it with the Bears. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. The number one draft pick was coming out. His name happened to be Jay Berwanger. He was a Heisman guy right here on the University of Chicago. They were, uh, they right were a football powerhouse. On the south side, the Maroons. Yep. They were a powerhouse. And all the teams, I believe there were eight or maybe 12, I believe eight or 12 irrelevant NFL teams. They all wanted Jay Berwanger, Eric. And at that point in time, there was no draft. So guess what? All 12 teams were bidding on Jay Berwanger, right? And George Hallis calls up the other 11 owners. Called collusion nowadays. I guess it was called collusion back then, too, Fred. Mm -hmm, probably. All of a sudden, Hallis says, this is crazy. We're going to go broke. We're all bidding on the top 12 guys coming out of college. We all want Jay. Let's do this. We'll, we'll initiate a draft. So that only one team is allowed to bid on Jay Berwanger. And guess what? He could take it or leave it. Right. Price fixing, collusion, you name it, everything. Uh, totally uh, disregarded by the, the courts at that time. So the only reason that the draft was invented, nothing to do with parity. It was to save the owners money on payroll. Very simple. So that's always been, a, a, you know, what's your beef for me? So... Over the uh, the years, 
<laughs> How'd the cow get in here? So now, all of a sudden, what happened this week, Fred? And you were on a lot this week. Yep. It was like the hot topic of the week. Mm-hmm. Everybody was talking about the Bulls and uh, how they're probably losing their draft position. To tank or not to tank. Yeah. Amazing. Well, the draft is here, and you game the system. Mm-hmm. That's fine. A sidebar, it always amused me. Let's, let's look at Theo, for instance. Well, the Cubs did The Cubs right. did it. They played within the rules. They, 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 they lost played, so they can get the, right. the higher draft picks. They played the yeah. system. But then I'm thinking about this. A great general manager, can't he fix a team on his own? This has never been brought up. Can't a great general manager fix it without... Well, depending on how much money he has to spend. And he's got to, and, but he needs charity. Yeah. I'm going to, from now on, call it the charity draft. Here's some charity for you. The poor GM, John Paxson and Gar. You can't fix it on your own. Oh, we're going to let you have a top pick in the draft if you, if you tank. It, the whole thing, it's paradoxical to, to look at it that way. To fix your problem with charity. So let's go to the uh, poll results here. Or let's get an early read. We'll keep the poll open. But Eric... Uh, I, I'm interested to see what the fans are saying so far. I know what they're going to say, well, or, or do I? Fred, do you think it's going to be runaway? I do, about 90%. The draft is great. I love the draft. Don't change it. Or, you know what? I don't like the draft. Change it. I think I, I'm voting. I'm, I know I'm voting for uh, I hate it. I'm saying it's going to be in the 90% I probably, I, I probably should add that's a high, probably 75%. Because hmm. everybody thinks they can change it to make it better. So, mm-hmm. Well, before we bring in EO11, let's listen to Carm uh, earlier this week and uh, the rest of the guys. And uh, it's a great phrase. And thank you, Carmen, for using it. So I have a nice, uh, we have a nice sound bite here. Roll. I don't care about young draft and picks. Though. And I don't care about being in the top three. If this team's not a, a, the bottom three team, they're not. I know. It's miserable. But that's, but that's what we always say. That's basketball hell. They didn't get it wrong, though. Didn't they, Yerk? We always say, we're like, the eighth seed, the ten, you're in basketball hell. Stop the tape. That's a great phrase. Yep. Basketball it's hell. been around for a long time. And uh, thank Car- thanks, Carm, for uh, giving me that nice uh, sound clip right there. If I hear that phrase one more time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scream. I thought you liked that phrase. Well... I like the phrase, uh-huh. but here's what, there should be a uh, semicolon, all right? Okay. Eighth place is ba- NBA. Being in eighth place is basketball hell, semicolon, all because of the darn draft. See, the draft is what causes all this consternation, all this tanking. See, if the draft were laid out properly, and we'll come to that in a minute uh-huh. if the draft were laid out properly there wouldn't be the you never hear the word tank there'd be no incentive to tank so it's all because of the draft that you don't want to finish in eighth uh, place in mm-hmm. other words you're not good enough to be in the playoffs but well, eighth place gets you there right well eighth, eighth place gets you the playoffs ninth place right. is hell yeah well eighth is bad because you have no chance of winning and you don't get a draft pick you're not in the lottery well you do have a chance to win yeah, but not. Yeah, but you don't. What I'm saying oh, to win the, in the lottery. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not going to be in the lottery. No, no, so right, right. You don't have a chance. You, yeah, you have a chance to, but you have to play the number for the number one team. You're, so eight plays one, and that rarely, if ever, what, happens. What that, is Yurko's uh, great phrase? 
All I need is a chip and a chair. Yep. Just get me in a poker game. I need a place to sit down, and I need a, a, a dollar. Mm-hmm. Can let me roll. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. So they're going to change this someday. Because when you have half the teams thinking in the office, okay, let's tank. Right. Right now in baseball, 14 of the 30 teams are pretty much right now either tanking thinking about tanking, figure that they have no chance to make the playoffs. Half the teams. So, I think I heard you say this the other day, Frank. What if, to paraphrase, you know, basically, what if every team tanked one year? Uh-huh. What if in the NBA, everybody, everybody but Cleveland, Boston, and the Golden State, well, you've had that one of the 30 teams, 27 teams said, let's tank. Well, I mean, here's what happens <laughs> if, if right now in the NBA, if you take the four top teams in each conference, that's mm-hmm. eight out of 30. Right. So the other 22 basically are all looking for the, the highest, highest pick because they don't have a chance to win. And Too the bad. only way for them to get better is that, to be bad and get a high draft pick. Because of the structure of the draft. Mm-hmm. Right. Three three two three seven seven six. Go to the phones and... Uh... Hey, I didn't know C. Red Fred was up on Saturday mornings. I hear you call hey, the other guys. shows. Hey, Fred. How's it going, guys? First of all, I want to say you guys do a fantastic job. You make my Saturday morning every week. Thank you. Just fantastic. Thank you. Hey, um, I got a trade that's coming. I foresee it. With the importance of three-point shooting in the NBA today, can you guys tell me what team is dead last? In the NBA in three-point shooting, the number one team in shooting is Golden State at 39%. And who's dead last at 33%? Do you guys know? I think it's the Bulls. No, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Is it? And wouldn't they like to have a contract with all the rumors about LeBron coming to L.A. next year? What A contract with a team option that they could cut and free up all that cap space? And Nico Miritich shooting 48% from three right now. Uh, I got 40. Hold on. Red, Fred, Fred. I've got uh, 49% on my uh, yellow pad, but I'm just just playing with it. (laughs) Nico was 50% prior to the last game. It's unbelievable. But are you are you dumping him to tank? Are you dumping him to improve the team? What's your motive on our topic today, Fred? Murph, I'm so torn because, you know, I, I love this winning streak, and I, I'm driving a big red bus, and I think we can make the miracle. I firmly believe that we have everything we need right now to win a title in three years. I think Levine, Dunn, and Markkinen can form the core of a team with some nice signings this summer that will win a title in 2020. But, it, it, you know, I look at Aiton, and I look at some of these young players that we could get on this great deals for you know five six years and have the rights to their contract, and you know what we can make a super team. Let we, can, ask, we can have build a second dynasty. Let me ask you this: See Red Fred, and then I'll spring you on your busy Saturday morning. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: How do you vote on our poll? I like the draft; don't change it. I hate the draft; change it. I. I Murph, I completely understand your points, and it isn't fair to these young kids. But it would be devastating to the league to get Why? rid of the draft. Why? Because towns would have never gone to Minnesota, and all these and all these all these towns that have uh, are cities that would not be able to attract major talent like Oklahoma City. It would just go by the wayside, and all you would have is a 
a few teams in a couple big cities like Houston, Chicago, L.A., and New York. It'd be a much smaller league. It'd be like the NHL in the nineteen, you know, in the nineteen fifties. That, that might be good. That might be bad. I think it's bad for the long term because I think there are kids who love the NBA in Minnesota who you know have uh, Towns and Wiggins on their on their walls, and, and I think they lose interest in the league overall. Hey, thanks for calling, Fred. Thanks, see Red. You guys are the grace. Thanks. You inspire millions. Thanks. Bye bye. Now, see, I agree with him on the one point, and and, and, that, and that's the, that's the point that I mean I don't know what your answer is for that, that because the 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 best players are going to go for the most money to the owners. See, you don't like salary caps. So if you if you're not a salary cap fan and you're not a draft fan, then then that's a good point. Then three or four teams are going to buy all the good players, and every year three or four teams are going to have a chance to win, and nobody else is going to have any chance. So they may as well split the thirty teams in the NBA in the two divisions. But if you do, good point. But if you do have a salary cap, which the NBA does, well, kind of, yeah, then. It makes to me even uh, more on my side to say than you than the draft. Everyone's got the same amount of money to spend. Right. Well, yeah. Ultimately, they have so many exceptions in the, in the yeah. NBA. It's the most confusing thing in the world. Let's go to the phones. Three three two three seven seven six. Mike is on the north side of Chicago. Hello, Mike. Hey, fellas. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey. Um, I just want to talk about the win streak that the Bulls have had and how maybe winning could be a good thing for them. You know, they have three guys that they made in that Butler trade that. Um, you know, they brought in to be, you know, part of their future. When they're winning and learning how to win now, it's going to help them next year and the year after. Um, also, winning attracts free agents. You know, you don't see LeBron James say he's not going to wake up, you know, after the season's over in July and go, hey, I want to sign with me next because they have a lot of high draft picks. Free agents want to win, and if, you know, your team's on the up and, you know, you're showing that you're on your way there, you know, free agents maybe might come there, and there's some good ones out there. You know, I look at a guy right now, Cousins, you know, maybe he might be an interesting guy to look at this offseason. But, you know, if they keep winning, then you're not – how do you tank? Because hey, Mike, you're obviously a, yeah, ahead. Good stuff. Hold, hold that thought. Let me ask you something that uh, you just sort of tickled me. If there were – I used to have a little what-if bell because what-if is what sports talk is all about, right? But work with me. What if there were 10 LeBron James out there, okay? And I know there's not. There was only one Michael. Okay, anyway. What if there were 10 superstars? Would then there be as big a need? In your mind, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. Would there be as big of a need for the draft if there were 10 superstars bouncing around? Like, we, oh. the Bulls fans, and everyone knows right now, until uh, LeBron retires, you probably got no chance in this division if he stays in his division. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't know. That's interesting. I like, I do like the draft, you know, and I heard the last caller talking about how there are small markets, you know, need the draft. Because, you know, people out of college aren't just going to sign with Oklahoma City. They want to go mm-hmm. what's better for them. So, okay. I, I don't know. All right. I do like the draft. Hey, uh, Chuck Swirsky in a half hour, stick by the radio. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate right. it, buddy. Thanks, guys. Busy day. We'll bring in EO11 in a minute with the results. All right. There was a bowl game. Last night. I, uh, let's see here. I'm sorry. Wyoming with Josh Allen, one of the top three quarterback prospects, right, coming up along with uh, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. Josh Allen threw three touchdown passes. Wyoming took advantage of uh, eight Central Michigan turnovers to cruise to a eight. 30. 
eight turnovers. Sounds the hell is sounds, that? It sounds like a basketball stat. Yeah, like exactly. a bad point guard. Or the amount of flags against the Bears last Sunday, eight. Uh, or uh, and it cruised to a 37-14 victory in the blank, blank, blank bowl. What was the name, either Fred or Eric, of uh, the uh, bowl game uh, that they're all talking about? With, I have to look it up. With Josh Allen. I got it right yeah, here. Yeah, I don't know. Eric, you're, you follow all this stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure which one it was. Was it the Mower Bowl? No. Okay, I don't know. Uh, was it the Gasparilla something? Sarsaparilla? No, no there's the a Gasparilla one. Yeah. A little bit of Sarsaparilla yeah, for my hip. Some Gasparilla Bowl or all something. Right. I'll, give you, I'll give you one of the three words. It's the blank, blank, blank bowl. All right. And Josh Allen, uh, three TDs, uh, one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft. So a lot of uh, attention. The blank, blank, blank bowl. One of the words is Idaho. Idaho potato bowl. I remember now. No, I said there's three words. Uh, it is the Idaho potato something. Well, you got the last. There's three words before bowl. So there's a sponsor. You gave me two years before bowl. So blank Idaho potato bowl. You want to go for uh, the blank? Idaho russet potato bowl. No, no, yeah, no. no. We're no. not going with no, types of potatoes. Word, the first word before it. The first word's the blank, Eric. Blank Idaho potato bowl. You made you made an Idaho russet potato bowl. So I know. Um, I know. Organic Idaho potato bowl. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just throwing. Famous. It's called famous. Not Here's very. The famous Idaho potato bowl. Now, obviously, the Idaho potato bowl is not famous. So they're talking about the Idaho potato, I guess, is it's famous. famous. The famous Idaho potato. Nothing, nothing but a crummy commercial. Uh-huh. That's if you've ever seen the Christmas story with Ralphie. Eric, are you too young to remember the, uh, when he sticks his tongue and you're going to shoot your eye out? The yeah, Christmas absolutely. story? How, how, you how? Say he that. knows it. Don't you remember the line? He sends in every week. He sends in uh, Ovaltine box tops, Ovaltine box tops to get the free decoder ring. And then he gets his decoder ring he, and the, and Annie Oakley uh, comes on the radio. And now the and now get your decoder rings out, kids. He gets Dakota and go and uh, seven. Uh, it's the letter E. Uh, Twelve. Uh, a. T. E. A. T. Okay. Okay. And it's getting oxide. And then M. O. R. E. Uh, eight more. O. V. He uh, goes eat more Ovaltine. That's nothing but a crummy commercial. Oh God. Well, that's what it is. It's the famous they animal all are. potato. Every one of them all are. I don't, I don't watch any of them. But, there should be seven bowl games. But they never call it the famous Weed Whacker Bowl. No, but it is the famous Idaho potato. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, when you think of potatoes, you think Idaho. I got it. I got it. Nine. Fries with that, sir? I've got 90 to 10 the results are going to be. I predict it's... Uh, 90%. I like the draft. Please don't change it, even though it's Ill- illegal. All right, so it's 69% to 31%. Wow. 69% says, I like it. Don't okay. change it. All right, 70-30, round it off. Yeah. I thought 75, but Well, we yeah. got 30% uh, fans out there uh, that I tip my hat to. Uh-huh. I didn't want to discredit the other 70 by saying we've got the smartest uh, radio listeners in the world <laughs> because you're all smart. But the 30% of you, even smarter. No, I'm just kidding. Back in a flash. Swerce calls in. Bulls talk in about a half hour. And uh, Michael Finley, sometimes Bears guy, he's out calling sometimes. Or Patrick Finley. Did I do that again? He's a Michael Finley, yeah. 
I'm just thinking to myself. You used to play for Proviso East and a longtime NBA guy. I did that when he was on the air one time. I'm glad I got it out of my system. Now, yeah. Patrick, Patrick Finley. If you're listening, Patrick, sorry again. Phoning in around 11 to talk Bears. And vote now for our uh, Twitter poll for the next half hour, which is, do you miss Jimmy Butler? Yes or no? Very simple. Vote right now. Do you miss Jimmy Butler? Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Beach Boys. A I can't dress in red. Who <laughs> is he? Run, run, reindeer. Welcome back, everybody. Murph and Fred. I like that one, Eric. Did you select that uh, Christmas cut, the Beach Boys, from about 40 years before you were born? I'm going to be honest, Murph. Yeah. It was a request. By whom? By, his name's Mike Murphy. Ah, I love that song. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Murph and Fred till noon. A few minutes away from uh, Chuck Swirsky. Uh, got some Cubs to pepper in along the way. Uh, I'd get, we'd like to talk White Sox, but they're not doing oh, anything. Well, they're no, just we waiting. We always have time for that. Vote. They're just sitting around waiting. <laughs> vote right now at ESPN 1000. Waiting for Eli Jimenez. Waiting for Louis Robert. Robert. It's just waiting for him. Uh, Dylan Cease. Fro- yeah, the all thro- those guys. The throw-in, right? Uh-huh. right. Uh, do you miss Jimmy Butler? Vote. I can't wait to get the results. So vote now. Need your votes. People have been voting. We put all the poll up, right, at 9 o'clock, all six of them. So the the fan. And can they still keep voting on the first one also, or do you uh, rub that off? They actually are open for a full 24 hours. Right. So they can yep. vote after the show if they want. Right. Well, let's. Well, I'll be, if they want. I'll be walking to Union Station after the show. But they can still vote. I know. <laughs> but let's do this, uh, executive producer EO11. Uh, last segment uh, sometimes. Let's recap because maybe some of the votes, the results might have uh, flipped, right? Especially if, if they've real, changed. If yeah. they're real close, yeah. All right. So uh, I vote right now at ESPN 1000. Hey, the uh, sunlight days are getting longer. We love that. Uh, oh, to retrace back a few minutes. So we were talking about the goofy name of the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. And if, did you guys, did you notice the, can we I get the first commercial that played out of our last break, Eric? I, it was like it was set up, but it wasn't. It's a, uh, what we call a, uh, you know, a radio a promo uh, telling you what uh, shows, uh, football games will be coming on later this week or later today on ESPN 1000 and, and coast to coast. And uh, there was a, uh, a wacky name I had never heard before. It was early in the commercial, so just triggered the commercial. Seeing that it's an ESPN commercial, uh, we could do it anyway. Or uh, we, we don't. They won't get. We don't have to pay us twice. They didn't pay us once. Okay, let's listen. Are you ready? Are you all tingly? It's the super magical time you've been waiting for. It's bowl season. It's the most Here wonderful time. There's a ton of college football bowl games coming your way on December 27th. It's Iowa versus Boston College in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl on there, December 27th. There you go. Okay. The New Era Pinstripe Bowl. All right. Let's check that out. Are they out. all going to wear pinstripe uniforms like the no, Yankees you know and the why? Cubs? That's, you, you know why it's called the pinstripe ball? No, what is it? Yankee Stadium. They play in Yankee Stadium. Northwestern nice. has played in this a couple times. Yeah. Nice. In the Bronx. So it is the uh, uniform in yes, a sense. Yes, in a sense, right. Yeah, okay. the new era pinstripe bowl. <laughs> 
payout of $2 million. That's pretty good. So what are there? I think I heard there's 49 bowls this year. There used to be 50. One dropped away, and no one can remember which one it was. <laughs> yeah, there should be seven. Yeah. First, there should be eight playoff teams. Right. And then there should be seven bowl games. But Hey, what's up your can? Yeah, that's what, that, that was, was one of them. I know. Yeah, that was one of them. I know. Hey, you did uh, my favorite rant on the... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yours, the, the no problem. Go to the retail store. Yeah, uh-huh. I've solved that. We'll wait a week. Well, ago. I got a lot of people. A lot of people got back to me on that. Oh yeah, that said they work in the service industry. Mm-hmm. They couldn't believe how how many people do it and how many yeah. they they've been taught and trained not yeah. to. You go to so. the store, you buy the product. You go to the ice cream parlor. You you buy an ice cream cone. They hand you the cone, and for some reason, we wonderful Americans always say thank you yes. when they hand us the ice cream cone that we paid for. They should be saying thank you to me for coming into their store and buying it. They should but say, no, yep. We say thank you, and then they say no problem. Uh-huh. And I say to them, yeah, what could the problem have been? Uh-huh. You're working here. I come in. I pay you. And then you tell me there's no problem? Yep. And that was another Murph moment. Well, I fixed it. The ice cream parlor I go to, yeah. and I get an ice cream cone every Wednesday. It's my little treat. Yep. And same girl, nice gal, you know, early 20s. She can't help it. She can't help what she says because she hears it. She mimics everybody else, parrots, everybody else. So she hands me the ice cream cone, and for like six months, I'm surprised she's worked there that long at that type of place. Uh-huh. Just, you know, I can't work here anymore. So she hands me the ice cream cone for six months every Wednesday. I go, thank you. And she goes, no problem. And each time it irritates me. Like, uh-huh. that, you know, like a little stone, a little pebble in your shoe. Finally, it gets to you, right? And you take your shoe off and you shake it up. So she hands me the ice cream cone. I smile. You know what I said to her? No problem. <laughs> so she didn't know what to say at that point. No, no, I said to her, no problem. Stymied. Yeah. Just looked at Here's me. one of the responses I got the other day. He says, hey, I hate the reflective no problem response. Unless I'm demanding what's in the cash register. No request yeah. should ever be problematic. Let's go to, uh, just say no, pro- no problem to them first. Yeah. Then they like, they're, then they're just, they're, that what? Uh, Jim in Chicago Heights. Hello, Jim. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? Super. Thanks for calling. What do you have? Go. Uh, they ought to change that to the Idaho salad potato bowl. The sal- potato salad bowl. Right. The Idaho potato salad bowl. You know right. what? Do you like the German potato salad? Uh, do you like the regular American, the mustard? What do you like, Jim? All of them. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's got, it's got to have hard-boiled eggs in it, though, for me. That's egg. Exactly. That's egg potato salad. Yeah, it's got to have. Well, we're, well, we're not talking egg potato salad. Yeah, you are. It all, <laughs> the, the eggs get tossed in. It's still called potato salad with the eggs. Thanks, hey Jim. Have a great day. Merry, Thanks, Jim. Merry Christmas. Bye, bye, Jim. Snipped him. I snipped him on a Merry Christmas. I ordered something the other day. Had uh, had it was a ver- uh, worst platter, not the worst. It's uh-huh. the worst platter with three different kinds of sausages uh-huh. with German potato salad yep. served warm. Uh-huh. Yep. When we got off the air early a couple of weeks ago at uh-huh. 11 o'clock for something, so I walked over here, the greatest German restaurant in the world, Berghoff's, right. downtown, 
no plug, you know, I don't have any relationship with them, but I'm going to say, if you want German food, Berghoff's. So they have a thing, it's called like samplers. You get some, like, baby bratwurst. Right. And then you get the German potato salad. Yep. And you, of course, sauerkraut on the brat. And, and, and the, the ground mustard. Dusseldorf mustard, yeah. And then I order a side little thing of the red cabbage. Uh-huh. Oh, my God, it was un- unbelievable. Hey, remember the, uh, uh, the German meat market over in uh, Lamont? Their, their slogan, our worst is best. Remember that? No, I don't remember yeah, that. I, don't I must you. have missed it. I don't blame you. Did you hear about that, Eric? No, but I like the, the pun in there a lot. Mm-hmm. Big fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. If uh, I was ready, but thank goodness I wasn't. Hey, when we come back, Stryker. I told you when the show started, we've got a lot of things we got to cover. We're already behind. I don't know if you remember, Stry- Stryker was the name of the pilot in the movie Airplane. I do remember that. Stryker. That's right. Yep. We have to talk about the snake, the Stryker, and uh, we'll get to the Stryker when we return. Hint, Bears Offensive Playbook. Back in a flash, Chuck Swirsky in a few minutes. Vote now, last chance to vote at, do you miss Jimmy Butler, yes or no, to vote at ESPN 1000. Don't touch that dial, it's ESPN 1000. Those Christmas lights light up the street Down where the sea and sailing May all your troubles soon be gone Oh, Christmas lights keep That's not mine, Fred. Is that yours? No. What the heck was that, Eric? I've never heard that song. This is a, a new song by Coldplay called Christmas Lights. Well, it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be an old song soon. Let it breathe, baby, let it breathe. You like this? I do like this song for Christmas songs, yeah. All right. I thought we're trying to attract listeners, not shoo them away, Eric. Going with the new song, Murph, at the, at the 50 segment here. That doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's bad. Of course, doesn't mean the Beach Boys' Little St. Nick was good either, right? Fair. <laughs> Christmas, everybody. Murph and Fred. All right. All right. Eric, thank you. Bye-bye. Not you, the song. All right. I got That's good. We get a little bit of the yin and the yang. Because, let's be honest, all my songs are going to be old. older than dirt, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you, Eric. Well, who is that again? Coldplay, Coldplay. Right? It's, it's a new Christmas song just out? or just, yeah. Was it just dropped? They, they did drop it recently, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. And Murph would like it dropped from the rotation. (laughs) All right. Striker. Let's go to a play in the Bears game. All right. Okay. The first half is rolling to a finish last Sunday, and the Bears are trailing 13 0. Detroit's got the ball uh, back in Bears territory, and what do you know? There's a fumble uh, takeaway, and with 12 seconds remaining in the half, down 13 nothing. the Bears now, what do you know? Woo! Bears got the ball down on the uh, Lions 27-yard line, first and 10, 12 seconds to go. Fred, I know you've got the play-by-play written. you probably got the play-by-play in oh, your Oh, yeah, I got this one memorized. All right. Because uh, so my guy caught the pass. Oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. You're down 13. You're on the 27. 12 seconds to go. It's first and 10. What did the Bears do? Did they uh, throw the ball? Uh, what, what would they do? They looked to the right and yep. drew a short four-yard pass to my guy, Daniel Brown, who went out of bounds and stopped the clock. Then they kick a field goal, right? a 41-yard field goal, after picking up four yards, right? Yeah. So they could have done a lot of things. 
Let me hold that thought. So I did the Bears postgame show for five years. Uh Uh-huh. The first two years with Doug Buffon. We'd come on right after the Bear game and do the three hours. Right. Then I did the next one year with Ron Rivera. Then I did the next two years. So 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. The the last two years I did the postgame show was with Silky D, Dennis McKinnon. Now, Doug Buffon, for those two years, he'd always rail about the Bears... They don't have a striker play. Okay. They don't have a striker play. And uh, OB, right? Yeah. Eddie OB. He still says it. Oh, you need, we don't have a striker play. Eric, Fred, you ever hear that phrase? I have phrase no idea what they're f- talking about. No, no, because it's an old Bears phrase. Yeah. All right? Evidently, like from the... So, that the Bears, they don't have a striker play. They don't have a play like... This would now become maybe a red zone scoring play, you know? Right. This was the 27, I understand, yard line they were at. But think about all year, or even the new regime. Mm-hmm. How often, like on the 20, do you see a first down pass in the end zone? A striker play. I don't know if you could count them on one hand in two, three years. Maybe I'm way off. I'm just, you know, off well, the that's top why of they're my looking, head. I mean, the, the guy that would do that is a guy that uh, barely saved his leg. Uh, Zach Miller. Yeah. He's the guy you go down the seam, throw mm-hmm. him the ball, in, walks into the end zone, touchdown. Keith Jennings mm-hmm. used to do it. When you're inside, when you're right there, that distance. See, you also wanted to make sure you got, the, you stopped the clock and you had time to kick the field goal mm-hmm. and everything else. I know, yeah. So. But they rarely throw that striker ball. The, they, you know, strike for a touchdown. Boom, right there. So, listen to this. Around... Maybe 15, 20 years ago, I used to live uh, for many, many years right near the Chicago Historical Society, now known as the Chicago History Museum. Right. Right North Avenue and uh, Clark. Yep. Right by between Old Town and Lincoln Park right there. Anyway, so they had a display, but uh, well, maybe, I don't know, 19, uh, right around the year 2000, whatever. And it was... History of Chicago sports teams. Okay. And the White Sox, they got, you know, old uniforms, score cards, lineup cards from all different eras and the Bears and the Black. And I'm over now, I'm looking at the Bears display, right? Yeah. And they got the old uniforms and the leather helmets and pictures. I mean, it's really cool. And there's a little thing down in a, leaning in a display case there. And it was, well, it was like a little, spy, like a little, not even, just a little notebook. Uh-huh. Yellowed and old. And if you look at 1941, Offensive playbook. It's George Hallis' 1941 playbook. Offensive playbook. Okay. And it's open. It's like only open to two pages are open. You know, it's like 43 right, pages. Right. And, and I'm looking real close, and there's a whole page on the top striker plays. And it's all these little diagrams of 20 yards out, how to throw the ball into the end zone, plays to run to sure. strike for a touchdown. And I'm going, I can't believe this. Hallis. Striker plays from the 40s, which is exactly what Buffon and OB were still calling it. And OB still does, and we love and miss And Doug the Bears Buffon. still don't have one. The striker play. Yeah. So they were still running those and calling those into the 60s when Hallis was there, and these guys were coming along. And you're right. Point is, they still don't have a striker. Well, and, and the big the key that they've instilled in uh, Mitch Trubisky is don't turn the ball over. Unfortunately, he did turn it over three times. Mm. So. Two of them were high passes. Yeah. 
and were, one was in the end zone. And the high passes were then uh, uh, referred to as the eyeball. He read the receiver, and uh, but they were bad passes. They were bad passes. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the uh, cornerback who yeah. made the interceptions was being a jerk. Right. It was fake news. I would tell Darius Slay right now that Darius, you're an idiot. He says he was staring things down. No, no, no. The ball fell into your hands. When the receiver was in front of you, it was overthrown. I wonder if uh, Slay was involved in my favorite Christmas song, Slay Ride. <laughs> I hope you let me play that later, Eric. Hopefully, Hopefully next year <laughs> the Bears are able to take Detroit for a Slay Ride. Yeah, what, was the, uh, what are the results here of uh, Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll for 930? Do you miss Jimmy Butler, yes or no? If we'd have asked this uh, about five months ago, four months ago, maybe two months ago, it would have been a resounding yes. I'm looking more at a 50-50, Fred. What do you think? Um, 70, 30, no. They don't miss him? No. All right. Maybe yeah. even more. Yeah, what you got for us? Okay, it's 74% to 26%. 74% says no. They there don't miss go. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. We'll talk with the Swirsky in a minute. Chuck Swirsky next. Murph and Fred till noon. Glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great day. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. That is a Christmas song, Eric. This is by Coldplay, right? <laughs> no, this is DJ Khaled, I believe. Oh, Okay. That's Ronnie and the Ronettes. <laughs> Later she marries Phil Spector because Ronnie Spector. Hey, youngsters, you want to read some entertaining reading? Go Google up Ronnie and Phil Spector sometime. Crank it! Crank it! One minute away from Chuck Swirsky. Hey! Chuck's saying, I'm on hold for this. Yeah. All right. He stopped writing his notes for the Celtics game tonight. <laughs> Just to listen to this. Uh, yes, we're going to bring in one of our, well, one of my favorite guys. I don't want to speak for Fred. Fred is one of your favorite guys, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Absolutely. The Swartz said he would phone in. You have got to be flat out kidding me. No, I wouldn't kid you. Hello, Chuck Murphy and Fred. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> It's always a pleasure. Murph, Fred, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. And I just want to tell all the fans that uh, Chuck Swirsky, not only a wonderful fellow, terrific guy, he's a huge baseball fan. So we'll, we'll be sure we do a minute or two of baseball. After uh, we... I, I, you know, Murph, Murph, I got to tell you something, Fred. So, like, uh, here it's like Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yes. Oh, by the way, there's page three and four. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. <laughs> and then there's J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez. Ooh. And so, you know, the Red Sox nation, they're in panic because what the Yankees are doing. Yep. And so it'll be interesting to see. Anyway, the Celtics are playing tonight. And the Bruins are playing this afternoon, so who knows? Maybe I'll call a little hockey and basketball tonight. <laughs> hey, Chuck, what was the first time you ever called a basketball game? Maybe you were in your early 20s and you did a college game, or maybe you were in high school and you, you did your own high school basketball, or maybe it was years later. But when did you do your first uh, uh, basketball call? My first basketball call was as a little boy on a black-and-white Philco TV as a kid in Seattle. 
and it was a college game featuring the University of Washington and Oregon, and I did it off the TV in, in, a, in a tape recorder. But my first radio game yeah. was a high school game with uh, Interlake against Mercer Island, and Mercer Island had a player by the name of Steve Hawes, who went on to play in the yeah. NBA, and in fact, his nephew, Spencer Hawes, played in the NBA. He's out of the league now, but uh, that was my first play-by-play call of a high school game. Wow. And let, let me guess, you got 10 bucks and all the hot dogs you could eat. You know what? I didn't get paid. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I yeah. actually paid them. <laughs> to get you in front of the microphone, anything yeah. anything to start talking, you're right. Uh, visiting yeah. with the uh, radio voice, uh, famous, famous Chuck Swirsky, nice enough to give us a few minutes uh, before Bulls and Celts later uh, tonight. Chuck, uh, we do a uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll every 30 minutes. I have not yet given the 10 o'clock out. This is for the fans to vote on. Vote now at ESPN 1000. The question is, one reason that the Bulls are improving is A, B, C, or D, multiple choice. The Bulls are improving because A, Bobby Portis and Nico Meritich are back. B, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade are gone. C, <laughs> hold your chuckles there, Chuck. Uh, uh, C, uh, they've played mostly bad teams, Murph, come on. Or D, they're improving because the young players are improving. We'll have those results in a little while, and uh, we'll try to guess what the fans said. Uh, Chuck and, and Fred, uh, there's so many directions to go to. One thing that... I actually think, Murph, it's the uh, radio oh. broadcasts have improved. There you go. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. One we're thing... unbeaten. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Fred uh. Murph, but we're unbeaten. We're, we're 31 and 0. Okay? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Okay. Hope you enjoyed the hope you enjoyed the broadcast, regardless of the outcome, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so yeah. yeah. Well, here, oh, one of the under the radar things I think is the Bulls' defense. You know, I'm I'm not a basketball expert, but I've watched just about every Bulls game since their inception as the Baby Bulls in '66. Yep. But I, I, the defense. Is really now you know all we ever heard of was how Tibbs you know Tibbs was the defense and that's what he. I'm telling you, maybe just me, Fred, Chuck. The defense is so much fun to watch. Uh, why is it different, or am I wrong, or does it compare with what Tibbs did, or uh, uh, what, what do you see there, Chuck? Well, well, some of the system of Tibbs is still implemented a little bit to that degree. Obviously, it's been a turnover of players. But I would, if I can get back to your original statement about the return of, of Meritage, and of course, Portis is now coming off the bench and has really found a home. And Nico, who started for marketing, now Lowry is back. So when you've got Meritage and Portis coming off the bench, it, it's going to help your bench. I mean, they're averaging close to 40 points uh, bench-wise scoring uh, in the NBA this season. And I think if you ask any coach, they'll take 40 points from your bench. But also it's the improvement of the young players and uh, you know what we're seeing out of Chris Dunn who's who's you know just you can see incrementally guys week by week his growth and development uh, basketball decisions I mean he still has a propensity at times to turn the ball over but he's very athletic and tonight I'm really looking forward to the matchup with Kyrie Irving because Irving did not play against the Bulls as you know in Chicago and I, I think Chris Dunn definitely is up for this challenge tonight it's going to be fun 
You know, Chuck, you mentioned some of the turnovers he makes. He made a brutal one about a month ago where he went behind his back on a fi- one yep. of the final possessions. And then the other day, he, he tried to get the ball to Robin Lopez. Uh, he came in right down the middle of the key, tried to get it over somebody. But, hey, there's a large man in front of you, and he couldn't do it. And it was funny because going back down court, you could see Robin Lopez saying, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I think they all know that this kid's learning on the job to be the point guard that he can become. But you've got to be encouraged from what you see Plus, even for a kid that wasn't able to shoot real well, his shooting seems to be improving each and every game. Right. Well, his mid-range shooting, especially, Fred, you're right. And, and this is something you have to keep in mind that we're dealing with a completely radicalized, different system from a year ago in Minnesota to the Bulls. And one thing that I do appreciate what Fred has done with uh, his young players, he's allowed them to make mistakes. And for all of us who have ever been in a situation where we're, you know, been involved in a skill set, you're, you're going to make mistakes. Well, Murph, you don't, but I do. And uh, <laughs> Stick around a few more minutes. I will. And, you know, Adam Delvin says, Murph, go ahead. Do your thing. <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, so, so when, when Chris makes a, a couple of turnovers, you know, he's not looking over his shoulder being right. pulled. And I think this is, again, this is, you have to look at the big picture of these. And, you know, the Bulls are trying to develop these players. We'll see where this goes with the win-loss record, with the Levine returning, hopefully, in a few weeks. But, you know, I do think the players do appreciate Fred's patience. Visiting with Chuck Swirsky, nice enough to give us a quick call from Boston. Just to a sidebar, back to what you were just saying, mistakes, turnovers, part of the game. The Cleveland game the other night, turn, uh, to start the fourth quarter, uh, it was the no. Bulls, Bulls are up by three. Turnover, 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 turnover. And that was huge. Uh, you guys were even saying, you know, you and, and Bill, you know, slow it down, relax out there. But that's normal with the kids and then the inbound sort of panic at the end of the game it's almost is this paradox chuck fred but it's almost good to make these mistakes because hopefully you know that's one mistake you can check off the board you'll never make you know hopefully that particular one again well i mean you you hope and you learn from your mistakes and and so if they're placed in that situation which they undoubtedly will again uh could be tonight could be in two games could be in two weeks that you think back to the element of what you did and what you can do to correct and, you know, your strengths and tendencies. And, again, this is all a part of the learning curve, guys. I mean, uh, I think going into the season, people knew that this was going to be a situation where this the whole focus was, let's see what these kids can do. And, I mean, two-thirds of the trade we've seen, and I think people can now assess the fact that Dunn is an NBA player, where his ceiling's at, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure. You know, he probably knows because he's still, you know, garnering playing time. This is only a second year. He's 23 years young. Marketing turned 20 just a few months ago. Right. And I, I really like this kid a lot for a lot of reasons. Uh, and then Levine. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen a small sample size in the league with Minnesota with Levine. But, again, he's coming into a new situation where he is probably – Along with uh, you know Don Marketing, this is the core group of this franchise as we move on, and uh, I'm very excited. But again, the, the 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 ball club has a long way to go. I mean, we're not talking about a finished product here by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck, you've been around the team long enough. Uh, 
How surprised are you? Not that the situation with Nico and with Bobby Portis happened because things happen when players are going at it, you know, in practices and everything else like that. But how surprised are you that they've been able to play together since Nico's come back? I mean, when I'm sitting there watching chest bumps with these two and high fives with these two, it seems like that makes the news even more than the wins. But it seems like these two guys have put us behind them and they're just trying to play together and win. Well, I think they're they're professional, Fred, and and I think you're right. I think on the floor they have a job to do, and they both understand that you have to put the team first. And it sounds like cliche, and it probably is, but it's true. And on the floor, they pass the ball to one another. They're setting screens. Uh, when one does well, they're pointing to each other, saying thanks for the pass. They're giving a fist bump, whatever the case may be. And on the floor, that's all that matters from the standpoint of uh, team chemistry and continuity. And, um, you know, if you look at what they've done together uh, on the floor, in case in point, the Boston game uh, at the United Center, I think they combined for, what, close to 50 points. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so this is, this is, again, a situation where, okay, you know what, Let, let's turn the page, let's move on, and, and think about, you know, what you're doing here for the ball club. The rest will all take care of itself in due time. But for now... I mean, I think they're all in about winning. You know, Chuck, uh, Fred, there's an old expression in basketball, and I know most of the old ones because I wrote them. (laughs) I wrote them, yeah, many years ago, which is uh, basically basketball when you're playing, when you're a player. Basketball becomes a lot of fun when you enjoy getting an assist as much as scoring the basket yourself. And I see that. These guys, and it just happened I don't know, I wouldn't say that, but it's really evident now that they are having as much fun dishing it off as scoring, Chuck. Well, they had 32 assists the other night against Philadelphia season high. Yep. And afterwards, I went to Chris Dunn, and, and as you know, Dunn had 14 dimes the other day uh, against Cleveland. And I went to him and I said, you know, give me an idea because you know people are talking about you're on the ball defense or your mid-range jumper or the improvement in your game. Do you, do you like scoring or assisting? He goes, I love to throw the ball to someone who scores. And I think the unselfishness is characteristic of what you're starting to see with this club. And, um, you know, again, I, I can only tell you that you're starting to see players develop where this goes this year. You know, you hope that trend continues. They've got a daunting schedule in front of them, in front of them as you know. And, Fred, you just mentioned this. you got Boston. They go back to Milwaukee where they won. Yep. And, you know, the Bucks are going to start thinking about that. And then they've got uh, at Washington, D.C. They've got the Knicks coming to town where they beat. So they've got some tough games ahead of them. I mean, but as long as they stay true to the culture of what they're developing, I think it votes well for the second half of the season, more importantly, for next year. You know, Chuck, there's a guy out there that before the season, probably none of the Bulls fans knew who he was. And every time he steps on the court, you know who he is because he's doing things on both sides, offensively assisting, defensively. He's getting rebounds. This David Nawaba kid is just fun to watch. He's high energy, and it's almost like if you can get five David Nawaba energy guys on the court, you'd have a wonderful team in the NBA. What are your thoughts about this kid? Well, I'm going to share a little story with you, Fred, and I'll make it brief. So the Lakers put him on waivers, and the Bulls claim him. My son, who is the assistant video coordinator of Portland, calls me. He says, Dad, i got to give you some information on David Nwaba. Now, I had heard of him, but I really didn't know him to be very transparent about this. 
And he said, Dad, we, we played the Lakers, we meaning Portland, played the Lakers late in the season. And David Nwaba went off. He was running the floor, high-energy guy, finishing near the rim, lockdown defender. He's a guy that, you know, is continuing to grow. Where that goes, I'm not sure. But he goes, you just made a great pickup. So I'm thinking, okay. Well, he gets into, uh, into the United Center, and he starts working out during the offseason at the Advocate as well. And I'm starting to hear these stories like he's just all over the place. He's hustling. He's running the floor. He's there every day. And sure enough, now you're seeing the benefits of offseason workouts. I mean, without him, I don't know where the Bulls would be because he's playing five uh, positions defensively. Hmm. He's guarding centers. He's guarding <laughs> point guards. <Yes. laughs> Yeah, no, he's fun to watch each and every game. He comes in, and you see there's just like a, extra enthusiasm goes up, and he's doing all kinds of things. He's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. Yep. He's starting to break. He's fun to watch, and I think that's what makes his team fun to watch because, like you said, everybody knows it's a learning experience. Markinen has struggled shooting. Denzel Valentine, in my opinion, I've always expected more from him after playing under Tom Izzo at Michigan State. But the other game, uh, other day, he hits four threes. He goes seven of ten from the field. He could have taken a better final shot. But you know what? These kids are all still learning how to play together. Yeah, I get it. And you know what, Fred? Here's the thing about marketing. Lowry is, um, you know, when, when, when he, the first maybe, you know, three, four weeks and he's setting the league on fire, he's shooting threes. League finds out about him very quickly. They're scouting him differently. They're throwing switches at him. So what's he do? He's putting the ball on the floor and he's going to the hoop. And this kid is fearless. And I'll tell you what, if you talk to members of the Cavaliers, they're impressed with him. They like him because he's just not a one-trick pony as far as just standing above the three-point arc shooting a you know 25-footer. Right. This kid is going to be really, really good. And I'll tell you what, in the 20 years I've done the NBA, and I've seen a lot of players come and go, and I will put my career on the fact this kid is going to be a multiple all-star player. That's how good he's going to be. People have no idea what they're about to see That's in the right. end of right. years because this kid has a great, great work ethic. He, he wants to be great. He doesn't want to be good. He wants to be great. And there's something to be said for raising the bar for your own basketball DNA instead of just settling on your laurels that you played, you know, well, the first 25, 30 games. That doesn't mean anything. Well, the box score bears you out from Cleveland, Chuck Swirsky, uh, Markinen, 17 shots from the field, only four from behind the arc. Here he is yep. dr driving, posting the uh, thunder, uh, thunderous two-hand dunks. He has an inside game. This guy and Portis. I don't know much about X's and O's, but if you got two guys in the game at the same time, we got a stretch. I just learned what stretch four is. Now Portis, <laughs> I got to learn what a stretch five is. For goodness' sakes, these guys can both. Well, currently they're hot. They're both shooting from behind the arc. They're both taking it inside. To me, that opens up a lot in the middle for the X's and O's. For the other three guys, Chuck. Yeah. Who would be a, a stretch second baseman? <laughs> stretch well, four, get it? Well, yeah, that would be, that'd be Rhino. Rhino at the range. And before, <laughs> Rhino, yeah. before him, when I was a kid, the great Kenny Hubs. Uh, too tall to play second. Wins the gold glove. A stretch second baseman. Final couple minutes with Chuck Swirsky. Nice enough to call us before tonight's uh, game. Play-by-play -play, uh, expert of, of the Bulls in Boston. Oh, I know Chuck's getting ready. Come on. I want to get over to the public house and get some New England you know, clam no, 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 you know, I, I, I want to talk. Talk a little baseball. Okay, let's talk you baseball. Know, you, know who, 
Yeah, I, I got to tell you who's on my radar. Okay. And, 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 and I'm thinking he'd be great for the White Sox. Is Christian Yelich? Yep. And, and because you know Miami and the, 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 they're 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 just dealing anybody and and I know that he's locked in and all that stuff. I think he would be a great fit. He would be a great fit. The only thing is what they'd have to give up. But you're right, getting him in the outfield and then when they come up, you you have him and uh, Jimenez. Uh, they, they 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 have a pretty potent outfield. This kid Yelich is really really good. Robber. Yeah, they they have a, it'd be very interesting and. Uh, they would have to give up some things because uh, Derek Jeter and uh, the Marlins aren't going to just give him away right now. No, well, well, we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't. You're right. Until it no, happens, I mean, we don't no, know for yeah, sure. Right, you're right. They're not going to. Right. Because we don't I mean, know that. Gotta... <laughs> that was the line of the day <laughs> of the month of the year. That's up. That's up. To, that's up to Rick Hahn to figure out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But anyway, I think, the, I think hold on. We got the commissioner and uh, Levitard on the other line. They're still arguing. We'll bring them up here with us. <laughs> uh, hey, but I'll tell you what they do need to do. All kidding aside, with the Marlins, get rid of that. What, what that that center field little whatever they call oh, it. Oh yeah, the fish. Yeah. Come on. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, I, st- I still miss uh, uh, Cal- like, Towns let, let, Hill in center direct. field in Houston. Let's, yeah. just, let's just put a big balloon of Clark in center field at Wrigley Field. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's the same thing. No, we don't need that in baseball. Well, here's the one thing, though. Do, you, do the Cubs need uh, you, Darvish? Well, I would get him in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I'm, uh, it's interesting to see because I, I think the Dodgers don't want to mess around with their payroll right. because they're they're waiting, you know, for for Harper, and so you know, you's going to cost them. What do you think he's going to cost you? Twenty twenty five a year at least. Twenty right? twenty five times five, I would imagine, is what they would uh, hold out for on the uh, on his side. Okay, so if you're the Dodgers and you're sitting in that boardroom. And you're saying, okay, can we get by not signing him and take that money that was designated for him, 25 a year, and that's 25 that we can add on to mm-hmm. what probably is going to be an additional 20? Because Harper's going to make, what do you think, next year, 40, 45, 50? Well, 35 minimum a year, I would guess, uh, for mm-hmm. multi, multi, yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think even more. If he has yeah. a big year, yeah. I think he's getting more than 35 a year. Well, I'll tell you how uh, 25 million here, 25 million there. What's the old joke? Pretty soon it's real money. You know how the Cubs, <laughs> you know how the Cubs could save 25 million? Never having signed Jason Hayward. <laughs> Say, it, it's, it's, it's not funny. It is funny. Thank you for no, the laugh. But it's really, no, it's not. It, it, it gets dusted over. It gets dusted See, over. But, but what am I missing here? Mm. You look at what he did with Atlanta and St. Louis, and I'm thinking he's coming in here, mm-hmm. and this guy is going to just go bananas. Yeah. And I haven't seen it. I, I mean, I, no. I really like him as a player, sure. but I haven't seen it as a Cub, and I'm wondering what happened. And he's in the prime. He was gonna, he's like 27, 28 years old, 29, 30, and 31. What's the, you know, Chuck, you, you cover all sports, and uh, not just as a, a, a professional, but as a great fan. They always talk in baseball. I think Bill James had it first. He proved that your best years for uh, position players, not pitchers, in baseball, you know, 27, 28, 29, 30, uh, non steroid era. That was the arc, you know, in basketball. Like, you, you look at a guy like, uh, you know, uh, Markinen, uh, was he 20? What is, in your eyes, uh, there's no right or wrong answer, what's the, that sweet spot? 
that four-year age or uh, in in the NBA, and everybody's different, you know. Well, everyone's different because they're coming in. You're even one and done's. You're eighteen, nineteen years old. So by the time you're twenty-five, twenty-six, you've already been in the league seven years. I would say the prime of a player starts probably year five. Wow. You get in that five to eight window because a lot hmm. of these kids are kids, yeah. and a lot of these players are developing. And, you know, in the case of Jimmy Butler, I mean, he didn't play his rookie year. And you, you saw him, you know, year by year get better. He's in the prime of his career. What is he, 28, 27, 28, wow. 29? And so I would think the prime of a player is starting to enter that year four or five window. And then they probably have another four or five years. Because by the time they get to be 30, 31, those tires start going bald. I mean, you know, the wear and tear on the knees, it's tough. Not counting the hair. Yeah. Murph, come on, man. It's holidays. You went there. Oh, I know it's holidays. Are you kidding me? But, uh, hey, you're you're dropping on the Murph and Fred show sometimes. So, uh, you yeah, know. I, well, it's always a pleasure. You know that, guys. I, I love you guys. I wish... You and your best uh, uh, families and people at AM1000. I want to thank you guys, uh, and you know, let's stay in touch. Oh, let's bring in, same to you, Chuck. Let's quick bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. I want uh, Chuck to also hear the results. EL11, uh, one of the, uh, one reason the Bulls are improving is the fans, do they vote A, B, C, or D? Well, Bobby Portis and Nico are back. B, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade are gone. C, they've played mostly bad teams. Murph, come on. D, the young players are improving. That's why they're improving. What? All right, Eo. Well, what were the results uh, from the bottom to the top reason? Okay, 17% say it's because Portis and Miritich are back. 18% says Butler and Wade are gone. 20% 20% says it's because they've played mostly bad teams, and 45% nice. believe it's because the young players are improving. There, there you, you go, go Chuck. Uh, sort of the, way you, the way you might think it would be distributed, but the young players are improving, and uh, hopefully it's just the beginning. Love listening to you. I uh, love knowing you, and uh, wonderful uh, holidays uh, for you and all your uh, family. And uh, Now get over and get that New England clam chowder. Or, or, where you, where's a guy like the Swiss going in Boston with all those great places to eat today. Well, uh, you know, for me, I just settled for a, a grilled cheese. For Phil, <laughs> it's Sam Adams. There you go. Oh, yes. A nice little Sam Adams tour with his couple of samples. That'd be wonderful. I love it. <laughs> hey, Chuck, uh, happy New Year, and uh, thanks for uh, joining us on your personal time there. Thanks, Doc. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Be well. You too. Chuck Swarski. And uh, love visiting with him. He's, he loves baseball. He does. Oh, yeah. I'd love to just we'll, we'll get him on maybe uh, one more time around spring training with a March check on the Bulls, uh, February, March, and uh, I'll let him uh, have the free reign with a little of his uh, baseball talk also. All right, lots to do when we come back. Uh, Fred, we've only scratched the surface. We've got to talk a little bit about this goofiest story of, of the year, John Fox and his monkey. When he, is there no news I know out there? About, I know nothing about that story. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> there about. There must be no news out there. Hey, keep voting, and uh, we'll have our Twitter poll for uh, 1030 up. In a, well, it's up right now. I'll lay it out for you when we return. And Bears Talk, Bears expert uh, Patrick 
Finley. Patrick yes. Finley from the Sun-Times. Sun-Times will join us. Oh, in about a half hour, he said he's going to call in. It's Murph and Fred. Hey, hey, hey. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Quick, what's the uh, title of this song? Well, I know it. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire? No. It's just the Christmas song. It is the Christmas song. They had no, I, no other thing to come up with. So uh, let's, let's just call that the Christmas song. Everybody calls it Chestnuts Roasting. Yeah. Turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Nat King Kong Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Written by Mel Torme We'll find it hard On July 4th, 100 degrees in L.A. And they wrote this over a cocktail they know that's nice. <laughs> they said it's so hot. Let's, let's write a song about Christmas time and cold weather. We'll feel much better then. Murph and Fred, welcome back. How you doing? Uh, in a minute or two, Fred, how do the Cubs plan to get better? I want to jump on. Let's do a little more of the Christian Yelich White Sox talk, which uh, Chuck Swirsky yep. broached a few minutes ago. Phone lines are... Uh, Hot and pumping, three three two three seven seven six. Next in line, let's go south to Stager. It's Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Happy holidays, Fred and Murph. It's been a while. Happy holidays to you and your families, my friends. What's up, Jimmy? Thank you, Jimmy. Hey, guys, I got a funny little Christmas story of a famous cartoon we all know, and I'll make it quick for you because I'll, I'll keep you off. I'll, I'll just be short here for you. In the cartoon, puppet cartoon, Rudolph. Now, we all know Santa Claus has eight reindeer. And if you add a brother Rudy there, we have nine. We got that number down, correct? You right. know, Fred can name all eight, but we're, no. out, of, but we're out of time right now. Yeah, Go I, ahead, always, Jimmy. I always miss the last two. That's okay. <laughs> Here's the thing about the cartoon. When Santa Claus leaves with Rudy to the island of Misfit Toys, there's only seven reindeers pulling the sleigh, guys. You can look it up. It's true. Well, who are they missing? Now, Blitzen? Well, maybe Donald Blitzen thought the union had to take the day off. I don't know, man. You tell me. <laughs> Nicely done. Thanks, Jimmy. They were originally in German, the names of those eight reindeer. And two of them are thunder and lightning. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. In German. Mm-hmm. Are they really? Uh-huh. Howard. Dunder. Howard and Cohen. Is Dunder. What is it? Is that the one of them? Yeah, that's one of them, yep. Like D-U-N-D-E-R. Yeah. That's th- that's thunder in German. And uh, Blitzen. Blitzen might be the lightning. Don't hold me to it until we have a lightning round coming up later. But that's something else you youngsters can Google. How did Grandpa Murph know that? Three three two three seven seven six. All right. Now, Blitzen in German is actually to run naked in public. So No, seriously, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a second. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe it says like here. Streaking, maybe. You've always heard Donner and Blitzen, only in later versions, modified in 1844, where the two names changed to German. Donder, close to Donner, and Blitzen, Lightning. 
to better rhyme with Vixen. Well, wait, which one was taking your clothes off? Blitzen. If you just say Blitzen in German, it's to run naked in public. Well, wait, which one was lightning? Dunder? Oh, uh, no, Blitzen, it says here. Well, Dunder's Dunder's. Thunder. It says close to Dunder, close to Donner, which is thunder. Well, they are thunder and lightning, then, yeah. or not? Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But what so I'm, I'm saying so used is, to being corrected, and the, thank you yeah, for all the times. By the way, for the entire year, thank you for the million times you've helped me. When does it number? If I think you meant because I love it because the legitimate definition one time of blitzen. I'm right, and then I think yeah. I'm wrong. The the legitimate <laughs> definition of blitzen. Vote now at our as a uh, noun. It's lightning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't make me play the thunder and lightning song again, please. Even though I love it. Please, can I play? All right, let's go to our uh, Twitter poll for this half hour. Vote quickly at ESPN 1000. Who should the Cubs sign? A, Jake Arrieta. B, is it O Darvish? You. It's you. No, I'm asking you. Yeah, it's you. Uh, should they sign Arietta? Darvish? Or either one works for me, Murph. Vote now at ESPN 1000. So I'm looking at the... Cubs, uh, what they've done so far. And here's my question. Fred, you're a baseball guy. Are they ever going to get a position player? How do the Cubs plan to get better? Uh Uh-huh. Because they weren't good enough last year. Right. So to just mark time, you know, run in place, whatever your favorite uh, idiom is, uh, uh, are they just trying to replace what they lost and stay in step static with last year, which wasn't good enough? Or how do they plan to get better? So real quick, here's the guys that they, so far, the big names they've lost, who are now gone. Arietta Lackey, your two starting pitchers. Closer Wade Davis. Original eighth-inning guy, Yui Hara. We're not sure that Wade Davis is gone yet, though, are we? Because he hasn't signed anywhere else. Well, he ain't here now. Right. Okay. But you're right. Not, okay, not here now. Arietta Lackey, Wade Davis. Yui Hara, who was the eighth-inning guy. Uh, Ron Doan, who was like the seventh inning guy. And now he's the seventh inning guy for Houston. Houston. Uh, Mon- Miggy Montero was gone, but that's on the list because he had $14 million, which right. is swishing around. Brett Anderson starting number five. And uh, man off the bench, John Jay. All right, some good ball players there. So far, they've replaced the fifth starter lackey with Chatwood. Fine. They've replaced... At least, uh, you know, pretty much the ninth inning guy, Wade Davis, with Morrow. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, they've replaced the uh, seventh or eighth inning guy, Ron Doan slash Uihara, with C-Shack. C-Shack. Okay. Uh-huh. They have not replaced the number two starter, Arietta. No. And they have not replaced John Jay, who was very, very valuable. So the question is, when they, when they sign Darvish... Mm-hmm. And then they sign someone uh, uh, to replace John Jay as the uh, fourth outfielder, the all-about man, bats anywhere, good pinch hitter. Someone like maybe uh, uh, Dyson as a free agent from the Royals, sort of fourth. At that point, they've only replaced what they lost. Uh They will not have improved. So everything's getting lost in the shuffle here. How... Do the Cubs plan to improve if they're simply replacing everybody right. that they lost and last year's team wasn't good enough? 
They may not even replace John Jay. Right. Because I've already got the 25-man lineup written out, and uh, it'll it'll be Ian Happ who pretty much replaces him. Sure, because he wasn't here at the start of the season. No, and then they went to the 40-man and, yep. and John Jay. So I don't know. If someone from the Cubs can, hello, can tell me how they plan to improve it would make me feel a lot better. Now, the White Sox... They're just going to play better. Same guys just have to play better. Oh, maybe it'll be a two-year hangover. And they, But they do, need, they do need another pitcher. If I hear that hangover one more time. the reason They didn't have a hangover last year. They started the season without a leadoff hitter. No one on base in the number one slot for the first two months. And they started the season without a number five starter, Brett Anderson, and then they mixed and matched the Eddie rest Butler. of the Right. Yeah. So you burned your bullpen early because you didn't have a fifth starter, and you're always going to the pen, and you had no one getting on base in the leadoff slot. So it's an easy out for anyone over there to say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's that World Series hangover. Everybody gets it. Giants got it every other year. Schwarber didn't bite for that when he was on no, well, he with Cap a couple weeks no, ago. No, he said, I don't even. Yeah. Believe in any hangover. All right, White Sox. So. Now, uh, I guess there's some uh, talk uh, on different sources about uh, uh, Yelich. Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich. Yeah, apparently uh, the White Sox have talked a little a bit. A top flight center fielder uh, with the team that's uh, dumping players, uh, Miami uh, uh, Marlins. How would he fit in with the White Sox? Well, 18 homers, 81 RBIs, 16 stolen bases. Lead off. Uh, hit 282, 369, 439 for uh, his slash line. 369 on base. 369 on base he percentage. Goes, goes and gets them. Yep. Got pop. Top yep. of the other left-handed hitter. Now, if you only got him for a year or two, it'd be like a Manny Machado, where I don't want to give up too much. I want He's got to have at least three years left. I he can play years. center field, too. Yeah. He's play center field, put him in center. He's got he's under team control for five years. So Eight. they must have extended him like they did Stanton. Well, he's only made $5.5 million up until now. Right. This year he's making seven, then 9.7, 5, 14, and 15. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so he's, he's out there. You're going to have to give up. A good a good amount for him. Sure, you will because of the year. It's just like when you had Chris Sale with that long extended contract. Yeah, and uh, well, you can give up Quintana. You can give up some pitching. White Sox, if nothing else, have a lot of pitching. And you would think if you're Derek Jeter and you're trying to start a team, you need pitching to start an organ, uh, you know, a team. I wouldn't have made the move if you're the White Sox. Anything from Machado, he was not the guy for you. This is different. No, this, I would. The only way I make the Machado deal is if they got a guarantee that he was going to sign with them, which well, he right. couldn't get. Well, of course, because Baltimore was not going to let him talk but, beforehand. But this one, you don't need that. Because he's already locked in through 2021 right. with an option, maybe you were saying, for 2022. There's something the Sox should do. That's something you would want to do. Hey, 332-3776, vote right now. We'll have our results when we return. Top of the hour. Patrick Finley, Siddle Collis, talk bears from the Sun-Times. Vote right now. Who should the Cubs assign? Arietta, Darvish, or either one works for me. Murph and Fred back in a flash. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Murph and Fred. E-O-11. I like that selection. That was yours, right? Yep. 
It's you, a Charlie Brown Christmas. You're like the German Christmas songs. You know the real <laughs> name of this song since we found out that Thunder and Lightning were Donner and Blitzen uh, last time. Uh, the real uh, name of this song is O Tannenbaum, which yes, is German, okay. German for uh, Christmas tree. You want to sing O Tannenbaum? I'm not allowed to per uh, contract. To sing on the air. O Tannenbaum. Oh, 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 I didn't sing. Thank goodness. Murph and Fred. Yeah, Ernst Anschutz. Uh, God bless you, Did it based on... Uh, oh, I should, should say Gesundheit. Yes, you should say Gesundheit. <laughs> Oh, Tannenbaum, yeah. based on a traditional folk song, came associated with Christmas in the early 20th century. That would be Volk song. Yep. Like Volkswagen. Folk song. All right. I want to hear what the fans had to say. Should the Cubs re-sign A, Arietta, or sign B, Darvish, or C, either one works for me, Murph, Eric, E11, what do we have? This is really tight. So mm. it's 30%, 36%, and 34%. Jeez. I love it. That's right down the middle. That is my... When I have two, I want it to be 50-50. I yep. call it the teeter-totter. This is the triangle-totter, whatever this is. I love it. So no particular order, plus or minus uh, margin of error. Basically a three-way tie, we'll call it, Eric, right? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, my God. That's a good one. Who do you want? Doesn't matter. Just get us one of them. Make sure we... Re- See, you replace Arietta with either Arietta or Darvish, and you haven't improved. Oh, one might be a little better than the other, but, you know, they, they, you're just, uh, uh, you know, friend, uh, Mark and time. Yep. I want to see how the Cubs plan to get better. It looks to me like they're simply planning to replace what they've lost, which is not good enough. But, Fred, I think you said it all. It's not, I mean, long, long time till opening day. Yeah, a long time. Uh, Theo and Jed aren't done yet. They'll surprise you a little mm-hmm. bit. Watch. Okay. If they don't do anything else, then they'll really surprise you. All right. Uh, as I mentioned at 9 o'clock, one of the quick things I want to uh, jump into today is the Bears and uh, why the family will never have, or never, in my opinion, they'll never sign a president of okay. football operations. The big guy, you know, who's above yep. our uh, pace and below the McCaskey family. You know, a president of football operations. Not Ted Phillips, president of football business uh, operations. You know, a real football guy. Quick story. The McCaskies, here's the, why they are the way they are. The family is very frugal. I'm not saying cheap. Look up the definition. Frugal does not mean cheap. Uh-huh. Frugal means... You wisely spend your money. Okay. There's two reasons you'll never see the president of, of football operations. Number one, that's a $10 million contract if you're really bringing the big name, big name, big name football lifer. You okay. Know? Okay. That's $10 million bucks. Frugality. But not always wise frugality. Mm-hmm. And the other reason is Mike Ditka. I believe they learned... In the Ditka era, because Ditka and Michael McCaskey, right. you know, loggerheads, didn't get along. Well, who, you know, Michael McCaskey was a bit of a... Right. Well, I know. I'll I, just stop right there. Well, that's not... Yeah. You're right. Uh-huh. But the point is, I don't think they ever want a strong guy. A strong-willed guy who's the big boss. Telling, telling the, the McCaskies what to do. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The, the McCaskies are interesting. In a, they, they grew up not rich. Mm-hmm. You could almost say they grew up, you know, middle class, 
working stiffs, hand to mouth, like we all did. Sure. Okay? Virginia McCaskey was the daughter of George Hallis. Okay? Mm -hmm. He had a son, Muggsy, but he died years ago. So Virginia was born in 1923. Okay? NFL didn't start making money. Until 1960, with the national TV contract. Oh, I thought you were saying when they figured out how to bet on it. Okay, until 1960, they never made a. Though every year, the the Bears and all the NFL either they broke even or made a few dollars at the end. So until she here's the point. Until she was 37 years old, she lived a very frugal life. Uh huh. They didn't have big money. Now Michael was born in 43. So he was 17 before the TV contract in 1960, and he grew up, you know, like everybody else, working class, paycheck to paycheck or whatever back in the day. George McCaskey, currently in charge, was born in 46, so he was four. The point is, George Hallis, he was lucky to break even before 1960 every year. So they grew up that way. What does tomorrow bring? We don't know. So... $10 $10 million, even mm-hmm. though they're a $2 billion business, I don't see them peeling off $10 million, not saying they're cheap, saying that that's the way they were brought up. That, to me, is a paycheck they're not looking forward to pay. The president of football operations. And you look at Mike Ditka, and here's the guy that clashed with everybody. He was the big name, like you said, Fred. Right. Do they want to have someone? I'm not saying Ditka, but whoever it is, he'd be the boss. Let's be honest. Uh, the family, George McCaskey, only hired. Look at who they hired after Ditka. Milk Toast guys. Mm-hmm. Wani, Milk Toast. Jerron, Milk Toast. Lovey, Milk Toast. Trestman, Milk Toast. Fox, Milk Toast. They've never hired a head coach. Anything like someone who might remind them of Ditka and have the big, pay, the big uh, stage. You know right. what I mean? right. By the way, milk toast is an interesting word. Since we're looking up everything today, milk toast is not where you put the toast in the warm milk and put some sugar and butter on it. No, and it's spelled very strange. M i l q u e t o a s t. It's uh, named. It's after a comic strip back in the day, the 1920s. Uh, the New York, uh, one of the New York papers, they had a cartoon, and it was called the Timid Soul. The okay. Listen, the Timid Soul. And the Timid Soul's name in the strip was Casper Milk Toast. It was just made up by the cartoonist. And it was, again, the title of the uh, strip, The Timid Soul. So all they hire are Milk Toast coaches. Wani, Jerron, Lovey, Trestman, Fox. I'm not saying that that's, you have to have a, a big-name outgoing head coach. I'm just saying, look what they've done since Ditka. Right. They're never going to hire a head coach that might be the big dynamic guy that comes in and really is the, is the face of the organization. And $10 million for a president from a family that was hand-to-mouth based, paycheck to paycheck's a better word. Yeah, they're not gonna, what they're going to do is they're going to allow Ryan Pace to make the decision. Which is okay yeah. if he makes the right decision. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what... That's what everybody does. He's a GM. Yeah. He didn't get he didn't right. get to make his own decision the first time. Mm-hmm. See if he gets to do it this time. And but the wave of the future in all sports is gonna be that president of operations. Nobody, none of the owners want to pay a third guy. You don't want a president and a GM and hey, a coach. Rocky did it. Rocky paying John McDonough. Yeah. That was a made up uh, position, basically. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They had money. Theo was basically you know, though he is the GM, but he's 
Oh, no, Theo's, Theo's the president. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. He yeah. Is. And they have their they have their GM. And uh, get ready to vote right now. We're talking Bears. Going to step aside. Vote now. Oh, here's our 11 o'clock before Bears talk uh, with Patrick Finley from the Sun-Times. Stay right here. Which rookie, A, B, or C, which Chicago sports rookie will have the best overall career? A, Larry Markkinen, B, Mitch Trubisky, C, Alex DeBrinket, the cat. Vote now. Murph and Fred Bears next. Stick around. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Rudolph the red nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. Oh, Gene Autry now, huh? And if you ever saw it, you would even say it goes. Let me play in the reindeer games. All of the other reindeers used Not to a really good movie. Song invented by a Chicago they guy, written. I think it was Montgomery Wards or Sears. Said, do something for a Christmas promotion. He, he made this whole thing up. He just sitting home. I think he was up in Winnetka. Songwriter guy back yeah. in uh, like 1948. I was sitting there with him, helping him with a few of the uh, little uh, uh, verses and nuances. Let's have a uh, reindeer with a big red nose and the other reindeer don't love him. And then, then they love him because he's Santa's friend. He was an Angels owner from 61 to 97, Gene Autry. Owned radio stations and TV stations uh-huh. all across the West Coast. Paired in 93 films, 91 episodes of the Gene Autry Show. One of the richest guys probably on, in the country back then. Not only the, mov- the movie money yeah. and all the promotions and lunch boxes and things they would sell. He started buying radio stations and TV stations in the infancy of TV, like in the late 40s. Yep. The big ones in L.A. and yeah. This guy, so he says, I'll buy those angels. What the heck? Welcome back, Murph and Fred. All right. Let's get back to the old sports One minute away from Patrick Finley talking bears. Here's our Twitter poll for uh, this half hour vote right now. Which rookie in Chicago will have the best career when it's all said and done? A, Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen. Mitch Trubisky. Or Alex DeBrinket, the exciting young rookie of the Blackhawks. All right, let's go to the celebrity line. Let's talk a little Bears football. One of my favorite guys. Fun to read, fun to follow. He always has a couple minutes for us. Personal time. He says, yeah, I'll join Murph and Fred. I'll call in. Good morning, Patrick. Murph and Fred, how you doing today, man? I'm good. I was enjoying the Gene Autry talk. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yes, a, a rich old cowboy. We know that much for sure. Well, so much to cover on the Bears. Sometimes hard to decide where to go. Uh, just a minute on an earlier topic, uh, if you would, Patrick. Uh, do you think the wave of the future general question, uh, uh, no right or wrong answer, in the NFL is that football president, you know, operations, uh, you know, retired 65, 70-year-old football lifer that, you know, a big-name guy, you bring him in, especially with, you know, the family ownership like the, maybe, uh, you know, the McCaskies uh, between him and the and the young, energetic, upstart general manager, or is that a $10 million job that a lot of teams and the owner go, I don't need to pay $10 million for that. I already got a GM. I think it makes sense if you're starting from scratch, you know, if you don't have a GM yet or if you don't have a coach yet. 
But I think that's a really delicate thing to do if you decide you want to bring a guy in mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Ryan Pace reports to him. Yeah. And, and if you give this guy any control over the roster or over moves, you, you've neutered your general manager. So yeah. uh, in theory, yeah, I, I think it's not a bad idea. I think getting bright football minds in the building is always a good idea. But in practice, uh, I I don't know whether that ship has sailed for the Bears already. Mm-hmm. You know, your article today just makes all Bears fans upset uh, <laughs> because you talk you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that a lot of Bears fans were hoping maybe there was a possibility they would get him, and then Mitchell Trubisky comes, and the Bears, you know, it, it looked like Garoppolo was a guy that wasn't available really last year in the draft or before the draft or anything. Teams were making inquiries. And now we see him, and we see the feature that they did on TV with him and uh, setting up the final drive. Heck, the last time I saw a, uh, a final drive like that, it was Montana in the Super Bowl knocking off the Bengals. And with, with that much, uh, you know, inside stuff, um, Garoppolo we saw is very, very good. How good can Trubisky mm-hmm. be? I think if Trubisky, I, I mean, if he can get to the level that Jimmy Garoppolo's at in a year or two, I think that that would be good. You know, it's an apples and oranges comparison. Obviously, Jimmy is, in, is at the end of his fourth year. He was with Tom Brady. But I think when you look at him, you can see right now after three games that he is special. And with Trubisky, where we've been watching him grow, there's a lot of things physically that people like. Uh, there's a lot of things intangible-wise that people like. But you have not seen the flash of special with him the way that you've seen from Garoppolo already in its first three years. Can Trubisky be better than him? Oh, for sure. You know, you know, it's, you know he's not a finished product yet. Right. But, my God, if, you are a Bear, if you're a Bears fan and if you've had your eye on this kid because he's from here, because he went to Eastern, yep. uh, you know, he's somebody who's always felt like kind of a hometown guy. Um, would you rather have him right now? I, I think for sure you would rather have Jimmy today mm. if you were trying to win a football game and probably for the next year or two. Hey, Patrick, uh the penalties are mind-blowing uh, for the Bears, especially penalties where there was no reason to hold a guy or push a guy or clip him or from the back, whatever. When you got Cohn back there and he's trying to return, you know, kicks and punts, a little back-of-the-envelope math here. Three plays alone this year. Uh, Tariq Cohen, he lost about a 90-yard uh, kick return Sunday or Saturday, which, again, I know, well, maybe he wouldn't have popped it if, if there wasn't that push or the hold, but then again, it looked like he might have. He had a, a 28-yard punt return negated uh, uh, against the Steelers, 67-yard uh, punt return. He, he's had back of the envelope, Matt, about 180 yards on those three alone, wiped out and brought back. Uh, and again, I, I acknowledge maybe he wouldn't have popped those three, but again, <laughs> to my eyes, it looked like he might have. What's the deal? Sound like Seinfeld. What's the deal <laughs> with the penalties? Let's eavesdrop first, then we want your response. Let's go to uh, uh, the game Saturday. This is courtesy NBC. Tariq Cohen's going to try to make something happen on special teams. And Cohen accelerates, and there goes Tariq Cohen. Cutting back to the outside. Foot race with Don Carey. Angle for Lawson. Cohen all the way to the 12. Wow, did the Bears need that? A terrific return. However, a flag is down back at the 14. 89-yard kickoff return. During return, number 36, return team. 10-yard penalty. First down. All right, Patrick, Fred. Now, there can only be a couple of things here. One, 
Uh, it was it's just over exuberance by the uh, by the uh, you know kick return up guy, over exuberance. Two, it could be stupidity, or it could be right. three something the coaches have uh, worked with them saying you know I don't know what. But those are the only three things. He's over exuberant. These guys, uh, they're not thinking clearly at that moment, or something. The special teams guy, I don't know, whatever cow jumped over the moon. What's going on? The guy you held in that situation is DeAndre Houston Carson. He's one of their better special teams players. And the play that was on there was a misdirection. And that, and that Carson kind of wants to let his guy think he's beating him and kind of steer him out of the way. Uh, he, he wound up grabbing, and, and that's uh, why the penalty was called. Is that over-exuberance? Maybe. I, I mean, one of the things with Cullen that's really exciting that every time he's back there, everybody in the stadium thinks he's got a chance to bring it back. And that includes the guys who are blocking for him. <laughs> right. So, these are, you know, so if you get beat by half a step, you know, maybe you're a little more likely to reach out and grab than you would be if you thought that he was just going to fair catch it and you were going to get the ball. Hmm. Uh, so there's that point A. Uh, you know, is there a trend there? I, I don't know. You know it, he's been really unlucky. You can look at a screen pass that he caught for a touchdown in Cincinnati. That, that came back because of the penalty. You can look at a touchdown against the Steelers and a touchdown against Cincinnati right. where he stepped out of bounds along the sideline. You know, you know, if he's, you know, a quarter of an inch uh, further away from the sideline, those are scores. And his numbers look a lot better than they would or than they do oh. right now. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's crazy. And it's something where, you know, I, you know, I don't think any of us can sit there and say, mm-hmm. you know, if he hadn't have held, it wouldn't have been a touchdown. <laughs> sure. You know, that math is hard to do, but it's, uh, it's frustrating, and you know you heard the excitement in Tariko's voice there. I mean, the Bears only have so many guys who can get that sort of uh, timber of voice from an announcer because yeah. they're thrilling. Uh, you know, it might be a one-man list, and that in that list <laughs> is Tariq Cohen. You know, you look at uh, Jordan Howard, and he's he's uh, what first alternate now into the Pro Bowl, and I know Akeem Hicks is mm-hmm. upset, but he has eight sacks. You want to get to the Pro Bowl, get more sacks. That's just me saying. Uh, but Jordan Howard. His last four games, six yards, 38 yards, 147 yards, and 37 yards. Is there a key? Is there one thing that they're not doing on the games that he can't rush for? I mean, 147, obviously everything ran, went well. It looked like they ran a lot of north and south, things like that. They weren't running the zone, the outside zones and stuff like that. Is that the key to him running well? What exactly is it? Because they've got a weird number. They are, they have four of the 12 best rushing totals and also the two worst this year. Hmm. Yeah, well, and it helps to play a team like the Bengals that apparently has quit, uh, <laughs> if you look at the last two games that they played. Yeah, you know, how, as good as Howard's been this year, he's yet to follow a 100-yard game with another 100-yard game. And I think some of that is there's this cumulative effect when you get him going early that not only are you getting some positive yardage in the run game, but there are blows that these defenders are taking that in the third and fourth quarter – you know, make it harder for them to tackle. I, I mean, I compare it to a, a basketball team that, that goes full court and presses. You know, you know, maybe you'll get some benefit from it early, but you're really doing it for the fourth quarter when, when it should all kind of come crashing down in your favor. I, I think that's the case with Howard. I think he really does wear on these defenders. Why they can't run it better early, uh, you know, they were talking this week that uh, the Lions put an extra guy in the box and dared them to throw. And, you know, somebody asked the question, well, shoot, is that all it takes is you just put an extra guy in the box and all of a sudden you guys can't run? <laughs> and they said, no, obviously that's not the case. But, uh, you know, they need to be more creative in, in the way that they throw the ball outside because that will get teams to stop doing that. If I had to guess, 
Um, tomorrow, I think that, you know, we're going to look at some quick screens outside. We're going to look at some three, five-step drop stuff, get the ball out, get it wide, and then maybe that will open up a little room for Howard up the middle. Well, I got to tell you, their running game has been wearing on us, okay? That's, that all, yes. that's all I can tell yes. you when I'm watching the game. It's been wearing on me, yeah. Uh, Pat, Patrick Finley, uh, nice enough to join us for a few minutes. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Uh, vote right now. Uh, which rookie will have the best career when it's all said and done? A, B, or C? Larry Markinen, Mitch Trubisky, or exciting Blackhawk uh, winger Alex uh, uh, DeBrinket? You want to vote on that one, uh, Patrick? I know you follow yeah. more than just football. Yeah, well, in, in, you know, in my previous life, before I moved here, I actually covered the University of Arizona basketball team. That was my job. Wow. So I know people, I, I know people back there. I have family still back there. I've been following Markinen for a couple of years. I didn't know who Markinen was going to guard in the NBA. I, I, I really thought that he would have trouble. And, you know, he's not great, but he's not the disaster defensively that I thought he would be. Uh, but, I, you know, if you're looking at that list, I think Trubisky's got the greatest upside because if he is above average, he will lift the entire team with him. You know, in the NBA, the Bulls can be bad and Markman can be a good player. Yeah. And Dabrinkit can be good and the Blackhawks could still have some struggles. But I think if Trubisky's good, uh, the, the team's good. And because of that, uh, that's, uh, that's how I'm going to parse that question uh, okay. so I can answer no, it. In no, that's good. Uh, in your, uh, one of your pieces today uh, in the Sun-Times, uh, what does Trubisky need? You write, well... He needs a star to throw to. Where do you get that star wide receiver to throw to? There's only three ways you can get him. You can sign a free agent in the offseason. You can draft him. Or you can make a trade. How do they get that uh, much-needed uh, uh, star wideout, Patrick? I don't think it will be via trade. You just don't see... Uh, you don't see happy, content, good wide receivers ah, get traded ever. Right. Usually, you know, we've had some uh, malcontent wide receivers mm-hmm. that you see get traded all the time. I'm not sure that the Bears want to inject that into a locker room with a lot of young players. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that was their top priority in the draft, depending on where they end up picking. If they're somewhere around seven, you know, they could uh, take a look at, at a couple of different guys there. But, you know, the free agent market, you know, there are going to be some guys that might, uh, you know, that might intrigue you. Uh, Devontae Adams, believe it or not, from the Packers. Yep. You know, I don't think he's in a rush to reunite with Danny Trevathan, but, you know, <laughs> he'll be out there. Um, uh, the Dolphins receiver, Jarvis Landry, will be there. He's fun to watch. I don't know whether he's the answer as your number one receiver. Uh, guys like that. So I guess I'd go with draft, you know, you know, and I mentioned it in the paper today in the context of Josh Gordon, the receiver that the Browns have. He missed something like a 1,000 straight days of football because of various suspensions by the league, and they stuck with him, and he's really good. Um, You know, obviously it's not easy to go find those guys. If it was easy, the Browns wouldn't have stuck with a guy for a 1,000 days of not working. Uh, So uh, good luck to the Bears with that. Mm -hmm. But I think the best way to start there is with a rookie. Uh, You know, if he's a first-rounder, hopefully he and Trubisky can grow together. But shoot, you look at Kevin White. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin yeah. White would be really nice on a healthy, good mm. Kevin White uh, would make a giant difference on this team. And I just, I think it's fair to assume that anything you get out of White next year is just a bonus. I don't think you can count on a dang thing from him, health wise, mm. skill wise, or otherwise. Okay, I'm not asking you to put your own money on this, but what do you think of uh, Prince Mukamara possibly coming up with his first interception in either of these last two games? 
life. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser has an interception problem. He leads the league in picks. Uh, he has an interception problem in the red zone, which is particularly uh, troublesome uh, to the point to where they actually thought of benching him for this game. And when you look at where the Browns are, yeah. I mean, the only thing the Browns should be doing right now is playing their kids and seeing what happens. And, and they were so frustrated that they thought about not doing that. I don't know. I think Prince has been really good this year. You know, I'd argue to you that Prince has been better than Kyle Fuller has been, uh-huh. uh, in part because te- teams don't throw at Prince right. because they want to throw at Kyle. Um, will he get a pick? Uh, you know, I'm guessing no, probably. But if he keeps playing uh, uh, the way he's been playing, I think he'll be okay come free agency. Obviously, he wants that interception or two um, when he hits the open market. Uh, that'll probably uh, there's probably a million dollars worth, uh, or there's a million dollars. You know, to him probably right. if he can come come up with one. So maybe is my answer. <laughs> Patrick Finley, you wrote today in the Sun Times, uh, making a list, checking it twice? Question mark. <laughs> and then I love your next statement. Sounds like uh, right up the alley of talk sports talk radio. Well, the Bears, the Bears probably don't need help compiling a list of coaching <laughs> candidates, but here's some help anyway. I love it. And, and you, uh, what's the old? Uh, from Casablanca, round up the usual suspects. And you've got about 12 names here, and, you know, some are uh, unique to you and some are the ones we've all heard. But one of the 12, Dave Taub, and uh, the longtime yeah. special teams coach. He's still uh, doing that same role at Kansas City. Well, let me ask a general question. You know, who doesn't love Dave? He was terrific when he was here. At first blush, and I know Ditka was a special team coach at Dallas, okay. At first blush, you go... I don't know, a special team coach. Does he know, you know, the nuances of offense and defense? And But then on the other hand, you go, well, you know, the special team coach, he knows a little bit about everything. He's got to know all the talent out there. Sell me on Dave Talbert. Tell me why it, it's it's not going to be considered or it'd be over his head or not. Well, on one hand, nobody, no special teams coach has been named a head coach since John since John Harbaugh was, and I think that was something like 11 years ago. So it's been a while. I compare a special teams coach to that guy in your office who has to work with all the different departments. And because of that, you, you, know, you have to be adaptive, you have to be charming, you have to be uh, motivating to everybody around. And uh, that is a skill that a head coach needs to have. That said, in this Bears you know, specific situation, you know, if Toby's going to interview here, he better bring an offensive mind with him. He better have a coordinator attached to him right now because the Bears are going to hire a head coach based on who can help develop Mitch Trubisky into the face of the franchise for the next 10 years. If you don't know how to do that, you will not get this job. And whether you're a defensive mind or a special teams mind, I think you need to have a package deal with somebody coming with you. And you know, most of this job interview, I think a preponderance of it, is going to be explaining what you are going to do to make Mitch Trubisky a star and make the Bears' offense uh, one that belongs in the 21st century. Because, you know, with the exception of you know, two Mark Tressman years. They haven't had that really ever. And I wanted to thank you. It's been so long since I pronounced out loud Dave Taub. I, I said Dave Taub. So thank you for reminding me <laughs> how to pronounce his name. I loved him when he was here. You know, on those things, you only got so many compartments in your brain, and then you don't say the guy's name for five, seven years. <laughs> Leave you with this. And everyone check out uh, Patrick Finley's great work at the Sun-Times. As we say goodbye, 
Adam Shaheen. Now I know that you don't. You know, there's probably no answer to this because they, you know, correct. I don't mind that they hide back injuries. You know, upper body, lower body. Mm-hmm. There's this thing in, in hockey. There's this thing with Adam Shaheen now. Two weeks chest. At first, it sounds mm-hmm. like nothing. Oh, chest, no big deal. He'll be back. Well, he's missed two games. I think he's going to miss Sunday. We're guessing or whatever. But here's my question, and Fred. Didn't the Bears have someone about two or three years ago, and it was the same thing, chest, and it turned out to be a big injury? I don't know if this is like, like a torn, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a torn, uh, what's it called, the, uh, pectoral, pectoral, or could it be something severe where he took like a spear in the chest area? Have you any indication as to how severe or not this could be? We believe that he hurt the, the that he got hurt in the end zone um, on an incomplete pass. Uh, to me, that implies that he landed uh, in an awkward way. Um, you know, that was during the Bengals game, so he's only missed one start since. But you're right; it looks like he's going to miss a second. Yeah, it's too bad. You know, part you know part of it is is you don't want to rush the kid back for a meaningless game. But dang, you would like to see him. Yeah, and he you know he is he is one of the more intriguing players they have, and it looked like he was kind of just getting warmed up uh, when he got hurt against the Bengals. He did have that touchdown catch uh, and a pass interference call on back-to-back plays that week. Uh, is this super serious? I, I don't think so. If it was super serious, he wouldn't be running around in practice, which is what he's been doing, but he hasn't been able to take contact. So uh, my guess is that he uh, does not play this week, but, uh, man, I'd like to see him get out there one more time, give him a little bit of confidence going into the offseason. Hey, thanks, thanks for your time on a busy Saturday. Follow you every uh, day. And uh, you're always uh, there for Murph and Fred when EO11 says, hey, can you join us for a few minutes? <laughs> and the listeners, fans, Fred and I, we all appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. Hey, anytime, guys. Have a good Christmas. Thanks, Patrick. You too. You too. You too. Merry Christmas, Patrick. Oh, he's a, you know what? He's got it all. Yeah. Patrick, he's uh, got yeah, it he does all. a great job, and uh, you know, it, it. We I had him on early, early last week, and we were debating about the penalties because he, he wrote something where he blamed the coaches. Huh. And a lot of people have blamed the coaches because they say that the players aren't disciplined enough. Right? I don't know. I I just think sometimes the co- the players go out there and they just don't do their jobs, no matter what the coach t- has told them or taught them. But uh, time after time after time, you keep committing these. Usually you would say, well, we're going to bench you. The problem is with with 19 guys on the IR, yeah. you don't have anybody <laughs> else to put in. Hey, Eric Ostrowski. What were the results? Uh, Laurie, Mark, we didn't do this yet, did we? No. We introduced it. We no, we didn't the do the results. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. Because I'm thinking this could be a third, a third, and a third also, like uh, uh, last half hour. Who do the fans vote for? Who's going to have the best career of the three Chicago rookie stars this year? Markinen, Trubisky, and Debrinkett from the Blackhawks. Okay, with 14% is Debrinkett. Okay. With 41% is Trubisky and 45% is Markinen. There you one, go. One I predict upstairs in the pre- You said to Brink out would get like 15%. And then to yep. be tied the other two. Yep. Up in close. the pre-show love fest that we specialize in here every Saturday. When we return, going to play a quick snippet of something you probably heard this week, but I want to augment on top of it. It was a baseball commissioner. Maybe you missed it. Miss a little, miss a lot. But we have some new twist to it. Baseball commissioner. Rob Manfred Mann uh, going at it uh, uh, toe to toe as they used to say maybe they still do with uh, 
Dan uh, Levitard. Dan Levitard, uh-huh. ESPN uh, radio interview down in Florida. Commissioner, did you know that the Marlins uh, were going to strip the team like this? There's another angle that hasn't come up yet. We have much, much more to cover. Murph and Fred, glad you've been with us all day, every Saturday, 9 till noon. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Look out, Grandma! Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. Too much eggnog. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. But as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Everybody now! She'd been drinking too much eggnog. Gotta oh, I love it. eggnog. Gotta watch it. And we begged her not to go. Don't leave the house, Grandma! But she forgot her medication. Uh-oh. And she staggered out the door into the snow. Oh, boy, what next? When we found her Christmas morning. Hope it was warm. At the scene of the attack. She had hoof prints on her forehead. Oh, no! And incriminating claws marks on her back. Claws marks on the back! Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Well, hold it. She's on medication. What's she doing drinking? From our house Christmas Eve. It's a tough Jonathan Hood was saying. You say there's no such thing as Santa. Oh, there ain't no such thing. But huh? as for me and Grandpa, we believe. That's a sanity clause. All right. Now we're all okay. so proud of Grandpa. Welcome now, back. Hold it, hold it. Now, yeah. she's, drinking, she's drinking eggnog, and she was tipsy, and she went home because she forgot her medication. You're not supposed to be drinking right. and be on medication. Yeah. What's and, your problem, Grandma? And walking home in the snow when you're all nagged up. Hey, Grandma, I hate to say it, but you got what you deserved. <laughs> Also, evidence of claw marks on her back. Yeah. Well, there's a discrepancy. It says claws the Reindeers marks. have hooves. Well, there's some people, you know, when you do the lyrics.com, or some say it's claws mark like Santa, oh. Santa Claus marks. But it's a play on words, I believe, by uh, Elmo and uh, whatever the uh, crazy... Patsy. Uh, is that the name of the two? Yeah, that's what it said, yep. Let's get back to... The you. hell are they? Eric, uh, EOS... Elmo's voice got real high. He became a Muppet. Go to Henry in uh, Daytona Beach. No, I got many... A uh, uh, lot of trouble when I was in college. Let's go to Daytona Beach. Yeah, why not? Henry, hello. You're on the radio. Well, Merry Christmas, guys. Happy holidays. What's same, up, Henry? Same to you, my friend. Well, I just wanted to say why, uh, like, I don't know which one of those three guys are going to be the best, but I think DeBrinkit has a coaching staff that can actually coach for sure, and I know he has a lot more weapons than Trubisky does, and I don't, I'm not sure about marketing, but uh, I just feel like playing on the line with Taves and Saad, even though I know Fred hates Saad this year. Well, uh, I, I just didn't. I, it's not that I hate Sod. I just thought the, the the trade was stupid. And Panarin's got thirty points and Sod is seventeen. So, you know. No, I agree. I yeah. agree. And I know you don't like when the the other Blackhawks score, and it's not a <laughs> superstar. No, again, in order for them to win, and and Henry, you're uh, in order for them to win, their superstars have to score. I love, I, I love Henestrosa, who's not going to play tonight. Um, he's he, it doesn't appear he's going to play. And I'm trying to look for the lines here because they had their skate earlier today, and um, and I saw what their lines are. But uh, yeah, they, you need to have Taves scored. It's a, it's a shame that Taves couldn't play with with uh, you know they had to change up. They had to get rid of Panarin. Huh. To bring Basad back because 
Taves couldn't play with anybody else. And now Taves is still struggling playing with other people. Hey, Henry, you're a man yes, after sir. my own heart. In fact, you're caller of the show. Uh, I would we'll have all voted, come down to Daytona. I would have voted Jerry's for uh, Alex Debrinkit because when I hear people that know what they're talking about compare him to Patrick Kane, that's pretty lofty uh, praise. And uh, he's going to be, I think, right there with Trubisky uh, and or Markinen. I would have voted along with you. And since you're caller of the show... Uh, I'll tell you where you can go on uh, a little treasure hunt. I buried a six-pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer down in the cans, down in the sand of Daytona Beach back uh, many years ago from uh, Southern Illinois University. We drove down there. We wanted to keep it cold. I thought, we thought if we bury this and dig it down, it'll be cool then tomorrow morning because we had no mini-cool refrigerator. We couldn't find it. So it's still there somewhere. It's all yours, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. I was hoping to win the signed uh, Chris Conti football helmet that nobody wants at ESPN 1000, but I'll take that. <laughs> nice job. Phone again. Don't be a stranger. Thanks, Henry. We appreciate right, I love it. That. I love that ESPN 1000 hockey talk. Keep it up, guys. Oh, yeah. We'll have a lot more of it on Christmas Day. I'll be here with uh, Mark Lazarus, so yeah, tune in. We'll go do that hockey thing. All right. Uh, our poll this half hour. Fred Hoiberg's contract expires June 1st, 2020. He's almost exactly 50% through the five-year deal. Game 41 this year will be the midway point of his five-year deal. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Fred Hoiberg's contract expires June 1st, 2020. A, he will be extended. B, he will not be extended. Quick Cubs note, Fred, I wanted to shoehorn in. Uh Speaking of duration, remember Theo Epstein had a famous quote many, many, many years ago, never do something more than 10 years for your career. Never be in the same place 10 years in a row. Well, he said that many times back in the beginning with the Cubs. He had his five-year deal renewed, as we know, uh, this year. So he has four years remaining through 2021. 2018, 2019, 2020, and 21. Just food for thought. If he doesn't go all out and win this year, go for the World Series again. And I'm afraid what I see is that they're only trying to replace what they lost, not improve. That does not bode well. Because in 2020 and 2021, his last two years of his ninth and tenth year, and then bye-bye his uh, self-imposed duration period, then you know what he's going to do? He's going to... He's going to strip whatever the new farm system has then, and he's going to bring in veteran guys to try to win and then go bye-bye. Just saying. Might be human nature. Let's go for it now uh-huh. and not be the 85 Bears, where you win once. Yeah, I came out. I was then, that in an article earlier this week. Oh, that if the okay. Cubs don't win, they can become the 85 Bears. Okay. But well, the one thing they do know, then, is that they'll forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, yeah. they will be able to uh, you know, make money here in town. Yep. One yep. way or another. Let's uh, Chris Bryant signing. Uh, the, the Chris Bryant can be on radio as a, as a you know, uh, you know, post game guest. They're going to need a lot of do re me. Yeah, get that TV deal going. Yep. Hey, how about that hockey? Hey, how about that TV deal? All right, a lot of talk. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you didn't. Just a snippet here to set the table. There was one question that Dan Lebetard uh, should have really zinged at uh, Bob Manfred, Rob Manfred, uh, Commissioner of Baseball. Here's a little snippet. This was live. Good back and forth uh, banter uh, down in Florida on the local 
ESPN station. It also goes nationally. National, Sometime right? we don't get it here, but you've you've heard this. Fun to listen to the Florida Miami Marlins big baseball fan. The, the host uh, Dan Levitard had the commissioner and goes, "What the heck? Did you know that uh, the new ownership group uh, uh, and Jeter are going to you know uh, dump money, dump salary?" So thank you, Rob, for joining <laughs> us. But were you aware? Well, can of- I stop? Uh, l- let me just stop you. I mean. There- you know, I understand um, the concerns that have been expressed in South Florida. Um, the one thing that I think you leave out in your description is there have been two World Series champions in South Florida. Um, whether people like everything that happened in between, after, or not, um, there's a lot of markets who would make that trade in terms of having those two World Series champions. Rob, were you aware of Jeter's plan to trade players and slash payroll? You know, it's interesting. Um, yes or no, please? Don't, yes or no, please? Uh, you know, I, I'm happy to do yes or no's. You can, add, you can elaborate afterward. I just want to know if you were aware but, of that plan. Like, you, appro- if you Did you approve a plan that had slash payroll again we, for South we Florida? Do, we do not approve um, operating decisions by any ownership, new Rob, owners, Rob. current owners, or not. Rob. And as a result, the answer to that question is no. I'm not going to be deposed like this is some adversary thing. You want to ask me questions, I'll answer them the way that I want to answer them. Okay, but if that's, that's not fine. good enough, we can move on. No, that's fine. I'll do it that way. But you can't come, you're coming on here and saying that you weren't aware of Jeter's plan to trade players and slash payroll? Like, they, we're starting with a lie, Rob. Like, that's where we're starting. Like, you no, can't I'm tell me you're not aware of that. and have you call me a liar. I explained to you that we do not, we do not get involved in operating level decisions in the ownership process, the ownership approval process. Clubs make those local decisions. Rob, were you, made, were you aware of his plan, though? Were you no. aware of it? No. Okay. We, were, we did not. All right, E.O., stop the tape. So, Fred, next time you you and uh, lovely Pat or uh, lovely Dan and I have a little dispute, here's a line you can throw out to your uh, wife. Uh-huh. I'm not here to be deposed. Yeah. See how that goes over. Uh-huh. That was some good back and forth. Here's the... Well, I thought it, I'm not a fan of the way Levitard... You no. know, you ask someone to come on, and you immediately right. tell them how you want them well, to answer. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, so I was, not a fan, I was not a fan of that. No, I, I wouldn't either. And I like that I'm not here to be deposed. Yeah. That, that was good back and forth. But here's the, the question. The, the follow-up could have been this. With us on e- The follow-up could have been this. Did you ever consider... Stopping the trade, mm-hmm. or the the buy, not the trade. Oh, you, that trade. You're talking about did the you ever Stanton, consider the Stanton trade? Stanton right. for uh, Castell and Castro, right. yada. See, the question follow up would have been, did you ever consider stopping the trade? Uh-huh. Now, there's not much history, but there is. Commissioners have the right to stop trades if they think it's not good for. The game. The game, Good right. for the league. A lot of this is based on Babe Ruth when the Red Sox owner sold him to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Their star young ball player, Babe Ruth, they sold him to the Yankees because he need, the Red Sox owner needed money to fund a Broadway play. No, no, Nanette or whatever. And soon after that, commissioners had the right to stop 
sales of players. Bowie Cohen did it. I right. wish I could off the top of my head. I tried to look it up. Bowie Cohen would do that. He said, you're not making that trade. That's a fire sale. It's not fair. It's not good for the, uh, for the league in general. Uh, David Stern. I know he stopped NBA trades. Again, I don't have him on the top of my head when he said that's a sale. Now, what's interesting, trades now are simply disguised s- as money dumps. Dump my, player yeah. Dump. Player money dump. Yeah, David Stern vetoed uh, Chris Paul trade. All right. I know that Bowie... involved the, uh, the Hornets. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner and Bo- the Lakers. Right. That's who the, he, Hornets, he Lakers, cut him off. Rockets, right. And, and Commissioner Bowie Cohen, I know he got involved maybe a Reggie Jackson or something one time uh, when it was going to be a money sale. So the commissioner, but he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to do it. He's got a nice job, Rob Manfred. I'm not calling you a liar, Rob. No, 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 no. Don't depose me. He's got a nice job. You think he's going to uh, tell other teams you can't make trades, which are really money dumps? Now that salaries are so high, and uh, it was a match made in heaven for the Yankees and the Marlins. Doesn't mean it was a match made in heaven for the other teams in the league or the fans of the Marlins. Jesse Rogers, when we return, Jesse had some great points. Is I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like those no trade contracts. <laughs> we're gonna, we're going to analyze what the my buddy Jesse Rogers said when we return. Murph and Fred, we are back in a flash, right, Jesse? All right. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred Sports Radio. He has one thousand. 